Good evening and welcome to the Boom or Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast. So guys, we're in week five of our preseason reviews. I'm your host, Stuart Lord, and tonight I'm joined by Mitch Brown, who is our expert physio. Good evening. How's it going? Good, good, good. You've gone real quiet, mate, but otherwise good. And I've also got uh, Nick Lord, who is our numbers expert. G'day, guys. How's it going? Good, good. And as you can probably hear, Nick Lord has got himself a nice, fancy new mic there, so we'll be hearing everything that happens in his house. <laughs> For better or worse. For better or worse. <laughs> so. Oh, I've got to put a cork in it, boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big cork. Anyway, so... <laughs> So, look, guys, thank you for putting up with us last week as we experimented with a double podcast. Uh, but uh, we're back to a single podcast this week for both teams because we took actually longer because we had to set things up twice, whatever else. So uh, we're going back to a single podcast format. However, the timings will be good and accurate. If not, uh, I will tell you where you can write your hate mail to, Nick Lord. So... Uh, but guys, also thank you. We've reached 200 uh, likes on a Facebook page and about 240 odd followers, plus some on Instagram and some subscribing directly to the podcast. So thank you everyone out there who's done that. And if you haven't and you're still listening to us, uh, thanks. And uh, mate, subscribe because we are active with our socials, with the data, and it's only going to matter more as we move closer to season start. Um, and yeah, and feel free, and feel free to hit us up with questions, guys. If you, you know, have any questions through our socials by any method, just send us a message or comment on something if you think we don't know what we're talking about or whatever. Hundred percent. And where can they find us, Nick? At Boom or Bust NRL. That's it. And you can find us on Facebook or on Instagram via that. And uh, look, it's great. And today. Um, like we've got to also got our league up, which will be um, I'll pin to the page, um, and we have daily content, which you know I'll put together. It's it's all good fun. And this week we're going to add a new segment because we weren't long enough. Because we actually have questions this week, Nick. Yeah, guys, uh, uh, <laughs> this is a good one actually. Um, we've got a, a message from Ross, and he he was wondering where the Michael Sierra guy. Uh, what happened to him and did he get pulled from our panel? So, um, Ross, uh, Michael Sierra, um, our guest appearance, he sustained an injury. Um, it's a grade four spray from the MISO. Uh, Mitch, how bad is it? What, what, what do we think here? His, uh, his MISO is capable of um, a serious spray. Um, I, I tend to stay out of the direction of those sprays. It's not looking good. I would be surprised if he made a return this season. If he does... My suspicion would be uh, it would be in a, in a, in a limited role. Um, hopefully, we, we, we get to have him back because uh, Mike, he, he's, he's a great addition to the team and he, he certainly didn't get cut for uh, any performance reasons or anything like that. No, he, he's not in resis. He's just on a sabbatical, isn't he? Uh, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll put it to you this way, mate. Like, you know, he, he wasn't that great, but, we, we you know, we, we can't exactly afford to cut talent around here, so... <laughs> At our rates. <laughs> so we don't have that much to start with. So thanks thanks for that, Ross. Uh, what's next, Nick? 
Uh, we got a uh, just a comment on a post on NRL Fantasy Talk um, from Kevin, and he was wondering what we thought about uh, Connor Tracy. So whether he's a cash cow, we looked at uh, the Sharks last week, and we didn't look at Connor Tracy because I don't think we really thought about him, did we, Stu? No, look, I, I kind of completely bypassed him, but as soon as he said it and he made his case, I was like, well, look, let's bring it up this week. Let's talk it through. Nick, take us away. Well... Okay, so he's 407k, break even of 33. Um, I think Kevin's case was that he averaged 37.8 at centre and he's a DPP, so he's a half wing fullback, which is quite handy, I think. Um, he had 2.9 tackle bust, guys, so he will see a three point uh, for feeder nerf reduction there, which takes him back to, let's just say, 34.9. And with a break even of 33, I don't necessarily see much fate. If he was sort of in that 300 to 350K, I would absolutely look at him. But at 407K, I'm not too sure. Um, Mitch, any thoughts on Connor Tracy real quick? Real quick. Um, as I said last week, I just don't see um, where the points are coming from the Sharks. So particularly with the uh, David Fafita nerf, I just can't see where the additional cash will come from. Um, he, he, he typically plays centre, so not going to likely see him in the halfback role where maybe he would score points, I think, either based on what was out in social media, either it'll be Hines, Moylan or Trindle. So at this stage, I think maybe, maybe you chuck a star and if he finds his way into a different role, it, he could be a potential option. But um, at this point, I think he's, he's probably a, a stay away. Yeah, that's that. That's pretty similar for me. He had one big breakout game round four versus the Cowboys for a sixty-eight, and he got a double. And he looks like he got sixteen tries, if my maths is right, for the season twenty twenty-one. So, but like, depending on how you're feeling about the Sharks, if you think that they're absolutely going to blow it away, then that's great. But six, like, it's hard to beat sixteen attacking uh, attacking points worth of tries. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't see, it's not like, you know, he got Jesse Ramey, who only scored five last year, so there might be, you know, a bit of room to spare. Yeah, he runs hard, he gets stuck in, he does a lot of work, so he, he's got the makings of a great player. Uh, he just doesn't have, you know, there's other things like goal kicking or, you know, line uh, line break assists and try assists and things like that that may or, sort of take him to the next level. Or, or tackles, round 11 versus the Dragon, two tackles. Uh, round 12 versus the Titans, two tackles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seven yeah, tackle did. breaks, two tackles that whole game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's great. He's great with ball in hand, likes to tuck it under the arm. Let's just put it like that, eh? Yeah, that's it. Like you and Aiken. Anyway, but okay. Well, uh, we, we, we've, got a, we've got a comment as well from uh, Stephen in the NRL Fantasy Rogues, and he's wondering about both Fermor. So we'll get into him in just a sec, I guess. But um, Stu, have you got have you got another comment? Oh, I was just going to say, mate, he wasn't even on the list. So, mate, he's now on the list. So we're going to talk about both formats tonight, thanks to Steve <laughs> in NRL Fantasy Rogues. No, mate, it's good. I'm interested in who people are interested in. Otherwise, they're just who I'm interested in, in which case I may as well talk to myself. So thanks, Steve. And look, I have one more, which was I was chatting on uh, NRL Fantasy Talk, and there was a bit of a post about Josh Curran. So I know that we kind of blew past him a bit the other day when we were speaking to the Warriors guys. So, mm. um, like, I know that uh, so Tim Ballantyne uh, was thinking, oh, look, he's going to get like a lot of minutes, uh, especially in that side. 
and um, he looked like a pretty good choice. Like, you know, even if he lost the lock position that he would shuffle out to the edge or something like that. Guys, thoughts, Mitch? Effectively, like what we said last time, I just feel like the position is saturated in the Warriors. There's, you know, fairly, it's been effectively confirmed that uh, Ewan Aitken's going to be out on the edge. Um, and, and you have Torhu Harris coming back, um, you know, somewhere between round eight and round 10, which will, which will really hurt his price and value. I suppose if you thought that he was going to really bust out and, and go up another 50 to 100K, maybe you could get on him and, and trade out for Torhu with a bit of extra value. But um, just with the loss of minutes and the fact I do think the Warriors are going to um, have a hard time of it, I just I, I can't see where the value is at this point. I think there are better options out there. Um, like Hudson Young on the edge that, that potentially will go up or could even be um, long-term keepers for the same level of cash. That's sort of what I'm basically at at the moment. Nick, any uh, any other thoughts? Yeah, I like his DPP as a mid-edge. Uh, I mm. think that's one of uh, Tim's points. So um, that's some something I'd, you know, it's why people look at TPJ and stuff like that. So if Hudson Young can get that mid-edge, then I think he holds more value than Josh Curran personally, but there's nothing wrong with Josh in my opinion. Um, assuming he sort of gets that 80-minute second row position, he should be, you know, popping his average a little bit. Uh, he gets stuck in, you know. He's a nice player, passes the eye test. So, anyway, um, well, I think yeah. we had Chuck, and us, Chuck Stein in, right, guys? We now you're putting me on the point. Uh, let, give me five seconds. I'll come back to you on that one. So I th- I get a feeling that we uh, we possibly put him as a bust actually. So oh, round one bust, yeah, right. Okay, r- round one bust. But uh, yeah. look, as as far as it goes, look if you if you want to start with well him, not ruining. Yes, that's the other one. You may as well pick up Aiken over him, wouldn't you? For what hundred and thirty k less. Oh, there we go. Yeah, look, I, I'd rather be on Aiken for who I think will score similar, if not more. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Though I must say, if they ever put in like, you know, you get a point one of a point for passing or something, that Aiken's <laughs> out the window. So <laughs> anyway, okay, guys. Well, look, let's, let's kick on into the main part of tonight. So tonight we are looking at, and I should have led with this, we're looking at the Titans. And the Knights, so guys, we're into the top eight of last year. And to be fair, last year was really a team, like a, it was really a season of six teams, wasn't it? So, and then we had, well, basically by the end of the year, we're like, well, a couple of teams have to make it in. And it turns out that it was these two. So the Knights, they booked a spot pretty early on. And then the Titans, well, they basically, Stephen Bradbury, their way in, sort of, uh, had a great strong run to finish the season went straight past the Sharkies and the Raiders and who uh, people thought would probably be landing above them and they just went into the eight so and look they ended on the season on a bit of a high and they came within basically a pass of uh, beating the Roosters in week one of the finals yeah the classic um, Patrick Herbert uh, hold he, sh- he should have released uh, Corey Thompson I think over the right right wing and would have untouched the poor bugger <laughs> That's it. So, but look, let, let's go into the Titans this year. Now, they have not been big on the player market, so we look at their team additions. So they have added a bit of experience from the Roosters, Isaac Lear. They've also uh, been out to market and picked up uh, the fresh prince, Will Smith. <laughs> and uh, they've also picked up Paul Turner. 
So Who's Paul Turner? Mate, sorry, Paul, if you're listening out there, Paul Turner, I do apologize, mate. Like, you know, for Nick's ignorance, I don't know who you are either, bro. But <laughs> he, he, look, he, he's, he's listed out there. Now, I, I think he's a, he's like a depth signing. So uh, yeah, hopefully he's a good player. Well, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? So anyway, Paul Turner, look, he's 270K. He has played a grand total of three games in two years. Uh, and he hasn't set the world on fire. So he played one game in 2020 as a halfback and two games from the interchange. So I think he's just been uh, bought us a bit of a depth pick. So uh, looking at this team, uh, I guess, is there any particular thing about those pickups, anyone? Nothing particularly jumping off the page. Uh, As you said, they haven't been particularly active. And if anything, you know, with the loss of Jamal Fogarty, I would consider it a net uh, sort of negative or loss uh, in the off-season buy. So... Already, I'm looking at the Titans and thinking um, going to be very tough to pull off a Bradbury again this year, but we'll see. That's true. I would say I Isaac... Am. Sorry? From, from, a, from, a, from a cap point of view, where's the Ash Taylor money gone? Ash Taylor, I think the Ash Taylor money, mate, has gone to upgrade a couple of people, and it's mostly gone to the Day for Feeder like, legal fund. So but that that was the year before though, wasn't it? With Tino yeah. and they they huge spending last year. So oh, they've re-signed they Tino though, like on big money. They've kept him for a number of additional years, so they're That's probably upgrading. Still an extension, well. yeah. So they, I th- um, they they clearly haven't subscribed to the uh, Wayne Bennett way of thinking, which is we don't pay big forwards big money, um, which is why the Titans I think are going to struggle over the next few years. I think times might be a little bit dark for them. Anyway. That's true. Well, I guess we'll get to. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking they could have some cash maybe left over, you know, a few few hundred k maybe for later in the season if something an opportunity arises potentially. That's true. I haven't heard anyone talk about Cam Smith returning from retirement yet, but you never know. It would be insane to go on this team now. (laughs) Of course it would be. Then again, when we get to the hooker situation, so. Look, Mitch, let's get into the injuries then. So yep. we not much on the injury front, front either. Take us away. Yep, so nice nice short injury report for the Titans today, guys. So Aaron Booth is our first one. Um, coming off a meniscal repair and uh, shoulder arthroscopy, he is set to return in the trials. Uh, with regards to the knee injury, he hasn't had uh, any previous intervention in that area that I know of. Um, Typically, the surgery does do better in acute situation as opposed to the more chronic one. Uh, Booth's situation was more chronic. With that said, I would expect him uh, to do pretty well with this type of operation. Um, The typical time frame of recovery is about 12 weeks to return to full fitness. My main concern is actually his shoulder injury. So he suffered from multiple dislocations uh, and recently, sort of mid last year, had surgery to clean that damage up. Uh, there was no indication of whether it was a labral or latage surgery. Um, usually when they're using the term clean up, it's more arthroscopic, which is sort of just trimming away the, the damaged cartilage. Um, with shoulder dislocations, one typically leads to two, generally leads to four. Uh, I get very concerned when I start to see that. And when they haven't had the, the big sort of protective surgeries like Nathan Cleary has, which is sort of the, the latage surgery, um, I get nervous about uh, re-injury. Um, from a fantasy perspective, at least initially, he should be good to go with that said. Uh, 
the meniscal sort of side of things, uh, I'm not all that stressed about. And even the, the shoulder arthroscopy, that's that's pretty easy to recover from. The, the main issue will be the deconditioning from time spent off. So he may initially have a decreased role. Uh, and the, the biggest concern of the lot would be future risk of dislocations. And as I was saying, one leads to two, leads to four, leads to career over. So just something to keep an eye on with him. The second one, and this is a nice easy one, is Tino Fasulamali. Uh, grade one MCL sprain, and he sustained that in the preseason. He's set to go um, for the trials. It's really at most a two to four week um, injury, typically managed with just taping and very little loss of time as far as conditioning goes. Great prognosis. I'd expect him to start the start of the season with no problems. So if you're looking at Tino, wouldn't be concerned at all by his injury there. Fair enough. No, that's that's really good to know. So, all right. Well, let's let's get started then. Uh, Nick, take us away. I guess we're looking at the Titans. Strength of schedule. Oh, so I've got them as the second easiest overall schedule in the league. Uh, they have the bye round 17. They have easy runs either side of origin. So the fourth easiest run to pre-origin round 13 and the third easiest run post-origin, so which is round 18 onwards. Um, they've got some easier beats twice, including the Cowboys, Dragons, and Warriors. Um, Broncos, we're not sure if they're easier beats, but I've got them down twice. But they've also um, got some luck on their side because they've only run into the Roosters, Storm, Rabbitohs, and Panthers only once. Well, that is um, a very good schedule. Yeah, it, it doesn't get much better, really. Um, personally, I, I think that's avoiding those you know, big teams twice is just phenomenal, but... Last four games uh, get me quite. Uh, last three games, sorry, get me quite excited because they got the Dragons round twenty three, the Knights round twenty four, and the Warriors round twenty five. It just makes me think, golly gosh, that's just that's just a, a, a dream run home, isn't it? The Dragons do have a very very good record against the Titans, though. Yeah, most teams do. To be fair. That's true. <laughs> but no, I, I got you. <laughs> but um, like they, they had a few very lean years. So, uh, but look, no, that, that's, that is a pretty good run home. Like if you were hoping to have players in your team, especially head-to-head players, be listening about this strength of schedule, right, really matters. Rounds 23, 24. And if your team, you know, is, uh, if your league's a bit crazy, round 25 as well. So keep an eye on it. Yeah, it is an away game against the Warriors the last game, so it's not home. Um, Who so. knows where that'll be? That could be frigging Gold Coast. We could all be back in Queensland again. <laughs> yeah, so it might, might not be a home game, but let's just say it's yeah. down in we, we could be in the, or wherever they are. We, we could be at like UFC Fight Island in Dubai by then. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, man. 2020 was crazy when they were having that NRL Island idea. So anyway, yeah. look... Okay, well, look, let's have a look at the top 17 uh, for the Titans. So this is this is where I estimate sort of their best 17 and then go through a couple of the rest of their top 30. So look, at one, I've got Jaden Campbell at fullback. Uh, two, uh, I've got Philip Sammy and with Corey Thompson on the other wing. For the centres, I've got Brian Kelly and Patrick Herbert. In the halves, we have confirmed AJ Brimson and Toby Sexton. Uh, props, we have Isaac Liu and Moeki uh, Fotoeka. At We have uh, Aaron Clark at hooker. We have on the edge, Kevin Proctor, who was re-signed even after Bikegate. 
So, and Dave... Uh, Fe- he's had so many gates, Kevin Proctor, hasn't he? <laughs> Think of a better home than the Gold Coast Titans with someone like Kevin Proctor. <laughs> he's he, loving it very he, much, he, I think. He's certainly a guy who's proving that, you know, you you don't pay big money for boys coming from Melbourne unless they're, what, halfbacks. So you don't, to the you don't pay big Crazy. money for forwards, period. And that is going to be a theme and a thing I hammer through this podcast. You do not pay big money for forwards in the NRL. In fantasy, that's fine. But NRL, we, we don't pay big money. Hmm. That's it. Not unless they've got like silky hands like yo. So uh, oh, I'd, I'd say, you know, he almost plays like a 5'8 sometime. But anyway, moving on. Uh, aside from my massive man love for Isaiah Yo. Hey, if you're listening, and you won't be, but hey. Uh, 13, we have Tino Fasulumali. Uh, 14, we have Tanner Boyd, I've got listed there as the utility. Uh, 15, 16, 17, I have as Jared Wallace, Sam Lazzoni, and Jamin Joliffe. So, bench. yeah, it's, it's an interesting bench. So, uh, look, there's a couple of others who could work their way in there. Look, Will Smith is a prototypical utility, right? So it could be that he takes up that bench spot because he can play a bit of half, bit of hook, a bit of essentially most of the back line. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Greg Marzu, who, you know, is one of those guys who just continues to rack up big fantasy scores and big reps up in reserve grade. And when he played first grade last year, he did well. Uh, He's a yeah, he was. Uh, look, we got Bo Firma, who, uh, look, you know, I don't have him in the 17. Sorry, you know, whoever asked the question there. But, like, I guess if he gets a start, but he may or may not. The other one is uh, Sosifo Fafida, who I believe is the cousin of David Fafida. Yeah, nice. And so, look, the Fafida family seems to have a bit of, fa- you know, NRL fantasy talent so if he gets a bit of a run later on in the year maybe you know if the Titans have a few injuries or people out then it could be an interesting look so I guess do you guys have any disagreements any thoughts about that no I think that's pretty much spot on mate um, AJ Brimson at half or at 5.8 rather that's going to be really interesting actually um, yeah, it's a fairly settled uh uh, starting side, I think. Um, with Mitch Rain gone, Aaron Clark seems to take that hooker role. Um, Isaac Liu into the prop. It just, it just sort of makes a bit of sense. I mean, you could bring Wallace into the starting side, but he adds a bit of punch onto the bench uh, from the bench. So no, I think I think you got spot on, mate. Easy, yeah. And look, uh, the coach did come out and say that Aaron Clark was starting hooker. I think AJ Brimson had a review where he talked up Tanner Boyd at hooker. It got me all excited. He was in my draft teams because he had dual player half hooker status. And then, you know, the boss came out and said, nah, nah, look, Aaron Clark's definitely starting number nine. So that's it. So look, we'll see how we go. So look, let's let's talk about which fantasy relevant players we should be looking at and why or why not. So Nick, take us away, mate. The son of Preston Campbell, Jaden Campbell, the savior of the Titans. He's uh, 550K, guys. Break even of 44, and he averaged 43.7 in 2021 in six games. And he's a wing fullback. So in those six games, um, he versus the Storm, the Roosters, the Seagulls, the Storm again, the Knights and the Warriors. So he versus the Storm twice, 
and two other really solid teams as well as two sort of pretty trashy teams last year. Um, and I, I mean this to say that he averaged 54.5 against the Knights and Warriors, but he averaged 38.25 against the actual good teams. So theoretically, because as I mentioned before, their strength of schedule, they're not versing the good teams all that often. Um, I think he might be decent value here guys i'm not saying 54 and a half value because uh, he scored five tries in those six games so you know even in blandy's ball i'm not saying that's sustainable um you know but if you could average around 50 he's passes the eye test in my point of view um i think it's quite interesting when you look at him from the prospect of his cost because you say look i can get tyrone tyrell sloan for 50k less but you know, I think Jaden Campbell might be the better fantasy prospect potentially. Um, and he's a bit more proven than Tyrell Stone potentially. Um, Stu, do you have any thoughts on Jaden? Look, I think Jaden Campbell, I think, is is going to develop into a good player. I think he's basically, he's six foot, six one. He's 80 kilos at fullback. So he's not breaking many tackles. He's sliding through them with pace. And like, he's a slight fellow. I think like he might bulk up, but like his dad was a pretty slight fellow too. So I think mm. he'll have to play for that, which is running into holes and uh, and doing a bit of jinking around the tackle, uh, um, you know, around the footy field. So look, I think there might be a little bit of value there, but I think it depends on like that. Titans were on a really hot run the end of last year. That's how they made the finals. So they, they pushed a lot of teams and they, they played quite well. And I'm not sure that mm. 2021... Oh, sorry, 2022. Yeah, the 2021 form will translate to 2022. He might be hurting a bit. <laughs> well, because yeah. he's not going to be punching for 600 metres a game, right? Like, he's, it's attacking stats which got him that average. I, I always get really nervous when I'm looking at attacking players on teams that I just think are going to stink. Uh, and I just, <laughs> as, as Stu said... He's not busting tackles, so he's scoring tries or making line breaks, and it's just tough when you've got uh, a team that's really going to struggle to help prop you up. Yeah. Um, and and for 50k less, you could get Tyrell Sloan, who is, in my opinion, the Ducks nuts. So <laughs> I, I, I think he's a total total bust. Uh, I, if you if you think of Jaden Campbell, get 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 Tyrell Sloan. Like, what are you doing? That's true. I guess when he's out there, or go and get Pappy or someone like that for just a tiny so bit of money. So on Mitch's list of, uh, I'm going to call it list of praise instead of li- list of slander. I'm going to add uh, Tyrell Sloan to that list of praise, Mitch. No, yeah. he's offended put the entire Moylan. Campbell family. He's insulted Preston Campbell again. <laughs> so I put Preston. I put um, the only man smaller than Campbell's just, actually a really good dude. I feel bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> Called his son a sucker. Okay, gotcha. Um, I will also say his, voice. his average, right, is severely propped up by that game in round 25 where they slapped the Warriors. He got 78 in that game, right? Otherwise, mm-hmm. he got 42, 35, 36, 40, 31 versus the Knights. So, and in that, in that game versus the Warriors, he bagged a double you know, with the line breaks, line break assists and a whole bunch of other stats. So like that's a, I think that's propping up his six game average is that 78. Yeah. Do you, do you see, like you can see the running meters though. He, he got through 163.7 in those six games, which is nothing to sneeze at, you know? Um, I think 
when you get to that 180, 200, that's the ultra elite. But 163 is phenomenal, in my opinion. Oh, it is. I just feel like, and look, a couple For a of games. guy. Yeah, 100%. He, I'm, I'm not saying that he, he didn't do badly, but I think a lot of them were sort of those breakthrough tries. It's just how mm. often do you think that he's going to break through at the 40-meter line and bust a, burst away? Mm. But look, he did play hard. He took a few big shots, got up and kept on playing. He looks like he can play footy. If you end up with him in your starting team, look, it won't be the best choice that you could have made, but he's not going to be worth 200K at the end of the year. No, I don't see much value necessarily. If you think he's going to average 50, um, you might be able to find a six-point average value somewhere else, I'd yeah. say, for a cheaper price point, don't you think? 100%. So, look, I, I I think my rating on him, unfortunately, is a bust for round one because we want to find we want to find sort of that, you know, 8, 10, 12, 14 points if we can. So, maybe six. It's bust. Yeah, I got him as a bust as well, Mitch. Pretty obvious. I think he's a bust. Cool. Sold at Preston okay, Campbell. Add him to the list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> at, least, at least Preston's a little fella. Like, you know, I might actually be able to go around with him. Unlike Anua Blake, he's, he's, I'm just running from, to be honest. Hey, good good luck catching Preston, though. He's too quick for you. Oh, Preston will catch me and Anua Blake will beat me up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, who's next? This guy's uh, Toby Sexton. Um, pretty popular, I've seen on some forums and everything. 600K. His break even is 48, and he averaged 59.5 in 2021 in four games and he's a half um so extremely small sample size he versus the dragons round 19 which was post barbecue bulldogs round 20 who were in the toilet in my opinion and the cowboys round 21 who were not as far in the toilet but also in the toilet as well and then they versed the rabbitos round 22 um he kicked goals he kicked some good kick meters at 229 kick meters per game 23 tackles which is really good for a small sort of bloke um, a try, 15 goals in total, two try assists, one line break assist, and one line break. So attacking stats weren't really there in those four games. Like, solid, but not inflated, dare I say. Um, I think we're sort of thinking, can he average 55 or so to be worth any value? Um, Mitch, did you manage to watch Toby Sexton, or what do you think of him? Uh, I, I didn't uh, watch much Titans at the end of the season, um, but... From from the stats, all I would really say is that it's a shame that he played those games at the end of the season because I, I they, you might be able to eke out a little bit more value there. But again, I think the Titans are going to struggle uh, as far as the attacking side of things go. And as Stu was alluding to, they did go on a bit of a run against some pretty poop teams uh, at the end of the season. So so it's, it just doesn't seem sustainable to me that he's going to be able to keep up with that average. As I said, if, it would have been good if he's starting this 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 time. Uh, round one because he'd, he'd be a proper cash cow. So, you know, I maybe have a look at the Titans and if I'm wrong, they're a good team. He he might be a, a chucker star on the style player, but I think again, he's probably another bust. Stu, what's the uh, love for him on the forums at the moment? Look, I think the love for him, yeah, th- there's a bit there. I can see why because basically he's there's three things that I can see working in his favour right for toby sexton one he comes through with a very good rep from the junior grades right uh he he plays well down there and past performance is some usually an indicator of future performance 
So the second part that I see for Toby Sexton is who he's playing with. So he's playing with Jaden Campbell. He's playing with AJ Brimson. So as like the mm-hmm. other members, uh, and he's playing with Aaron Clark. So there will be a lot of, and they let Jamal Fogarty go for this guy, right? They didn't have to, but they did. Mm-hmm. So, that, so that means is that you got Mal, who's, I must say, I don't necessarily trust his instincts after he quit politics about 30 seconds. But look, you convinced <laughs> Mal, you, yeah, you convinced the coach, uh, you convinced quite a few people up there that he's going to be a good player for a long time. And I'll be honest with you, like I watched some of the, um, there's not much tape on him, but the tape that I have seen is that he does, he plays like a, like very early Nathan Cleary. You know, he, he trusts himself to run, to kick, to pass. Like he's got a short kicking game, long kicking game. Uh, he kicks goals. So there's plenty of points in him. So look, there is plenty of points in him at 600 K. Look, I think his base points will be high, but how many? How much is Mitchell Moses worth, Nick? Um, I'll just have a quick look. I was just thinking he's six thirty-one k, Mitch Moses. So basically, you're getting a thirty-one k discount on Mitchell Moses for a guy that feels very similar. So the uh, you know it 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 depends. So look, you can chuck a star on him. You can even I'd even have him as a spicy pick because he certainly could. If he averages 60 for most of the year, Fogarty averaged pretty close to that for most of the season. You can make some money or just park him because he will not play Origin. They have the bio that, and that he plays round 13. Mm, I think um, I think with the kick meters, what, what could he average, Stu? 350 or so? What do you think? Oh Well, uh, AJ Brimson, I think in his entire life, only kicks the ball when he's frustrated so <laughs> I think even if he picks up some kick meters yeah I reckon he'll he'll pick up a vast majority so three three fifty is pretty conservative but yeah I reckon he can pick up three fifty kick meters and I see that being a four point bump um on last year and then maybe some attacking stats so if you're looking at 48 I think he might be able to reach 55 consistently I don't think that's out of the realm that's it and then you know if you start adding some line break assists like as as that spine builds as the team builds later in the season there's no one else there right Paul Turner who they picked up from the Warriors right he's a halfback he can play but he's been brought in as backup basically like as a parachute mm-hmm. there is no mm-hmm. one else at that team Will Smith is he left sided half or is uh, AJ Brimson likes to go left doesn't he I believe Look, I haven't seen oh, them play I'm, yet. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. Who's going to pass the ball for feeder for for feeder? Just some punch over. <laughs> you know, you get you get cheap cheap tries to the line break assists and all that. You know, that's true. Though David feeder generally takes him out far enough that you can't. You know, if he has to beat 17 people to get to the try line, is it really a try assist? <laughs> <laughs> so look, I we'll see. Yeah. I I, re- I reckon he will play both sides. I would put him as spicy. Uh, I think he's spicy as well, Mitch. You think he's spicy? I can be convinced that he's spicy. I just, I just, as I said, I get spooked around teams that uh, I think will have real troubles as far as attack goes. But you are both 100% right that his kick meters are going to go through the roof. Um, and invariably, he's he's going to um, have some try assists and line yeah. break assists. So, you know, 
I could see some value there. And it's a sort of a point of difference type of pick that if he works out, you might be able to cash up for someone a bit yeah. better. The, the, one, the thing that he reminds me a little bit about is uh, for the Bulldogs last year, Avarillo. So yeah. he Obviously. got to 700K, sheerly off the back of kick meters, you know, a few line break assists and a few attacking stats. But the Bulldogs didn't get many attacking stats last year. Yeah, that's how you sort of convinced me as I look down at AJ Brimson and I have a really good think and go, how many metres is this guy likely to kick for? And it'll be it'll be less than 100, I would think, a game and, and probably closer to 50. So yeah. I can certainly be Ma- convinced that he's Ma- Ma- Matty Moylan 2.0 in the making. Anyway, look. Well, why, don't we, why don't we pivot to AJ now? Yep. Um, now that we're on him, at 500k with a break-even of 40, he averaged 39.2 in 2021 in 18 games. Guys, is a DPP, a half-wing fullback. Um, broken jaw, round 22. Uh, thanks, Latrell, for that. That was really nice. He kicked him in the face. Like, sorry, nice. Latrell, if you're listening, mate. Like, just stop doing stuff like that, bro. Like, Run some laps and stop doing that, please. Yeah, um, just please. You know, he he cost me the fantasy season last year. That was Latrell's fault. I lost it dead because of Latrell Mitchell, and um, he won't be finding his way on my team this year because of that. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, Mitch has a thing for uh, Latrell. Uh, we'll get to him what next week? No, week after next. Oh no, next week. Next That'll week. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll get stuck into him then. I'm sure. I'll I might bring, bring Emma on for that podcast just to, uh, <laughs> just for that, that that particular player. I think. I've got a long write-up on him. Um, anyway, we've um, when he averaged uh, at fullback, he averaged forty-two. Guys, when he played five-eight um, in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, he averaged thirty-six point three. So it's looking bleak. And we touched on it before. His kick meters, guys, was seventy-six point one per game. So it's, in that, it's, it's scenario, a few attacking kicks, basically, or like it's down the side if he's on the. If the halfback gets tackled with a ball or gets stuck on an edge, that's it. Exactly, hundred percent. I know he's come a long way in this time. Um, you know, he's playing Origin now and all this sort of stuff, but he's not generally the type of you know beat the crap out of the ball kind of player. So, um, I have him as a bust. Do are bust. you feeling the same way? Bust, man. Like there's just there's no money. Mitch. I think he actually could potentially go down in value. Yeah, I think he's losing a little bit of coin um, at best. Um, I don't see him going up at all. Yeah, um, I, I think the Titans' play structure doesn't really lead to those wide-out sweeps or, you know, those breaks. So, I mean, unless he's, as, as I said before, you know, dumping the ball off to Fafita close to the line for cheap line break assistant line and uh, try and assist, then I don't literally see any point picking him up at that at that particular price point, um, it's just an awkward price and there's cheaper options that, you know, provide better upside, I think. Yep. Okay. Um, we'll get stuck into Aaron Clark, guys. Um, he's a starting hooker, we think, at 412K with a break-even of 33. His, th- his 2021 average was 31.5 in 18 games and he's only listed a hooker, so previously he's played a bit of um, a bit of lock interchange, um, but he's only got the hooker this year. His PPM is 0.71. So he's got a low average, but a decent PPM. Um, so he started the interchange in 12 games. And he played hooker, um, starting hooker in the in the other six games he played. So in interchange, he averaged 27.8 in 33.8 minutes with a 0.82 PPM. 
Now, this is important because when he starts at hooker, guys, his average goes up and his minutes go up um, to 38.5 and 65.7 minutes. But his PPM goes down to 0.66. So he's a much more productive off the interchange than he's starting hooker. So um, he's in my team at the moment, guys. Um, and I'm banking on his PPM going up. Uh, longer minutes and a healthier PPM hopefully leads to, um, you know, a seven to eight point uh, value where, you know, hookers, if you're not getting a gun, the getting a mid-priced hooker is just an absolute nightmare. So I think this guy's pretty cheap. Uh, Stu, how do you feel? I've softened on Eric, Aaron Clark as I've gone on because that average, like we do have a sample size for him, right? If he's averaging 38, and he's got a starts with a break even of 33. Even if he raises up, it's like you know, he's got to get to really 43, 45 for him to be worth the money. So look, there's a good chance that he he can get there. However, they have um, they have some depth at hooker. They got rid of Mitch Rain, but they've uh, they've imported another hooker from the UK, and they they still got another one on the books. They got Tanner Boyd as well sitting around there. So. I can't see him getting many more minutes in there, uh, depending on who they have at uh, uh, on, at the utility spot. Sorry, and the thing is though is that if they don't, if they run four forwards on the bench, he might be worth a run. Yeah, um, it depends sort of where he fits in with Tanner Boyd, don't you think, uh, Mitch? Uh, any strong feelings about Aaron Clark? I think ridiculously strong, but I do look at him and, and feel that um, if he can get the starting hooker role and maybe eke his way closer to 80 minutes, that he would certainly be a nice little mid-price sort of option at hooker. Uh, and you might be able to squeeze 150, 200k out of him. I think he's a fairly low-risk pick, to be honest, in that position. Mm. Um, and he'll almost definitely find his way onto my team uh, we often talk about teams that um, struggle will typically do a bit more tackling and Hooker is one of those positions that tends to do a bit more of that. Um, I know his tackles have men's fires, other players like Jaden Braley, but um, I, I do think that um, he, he'd be worth a look um, at the very least. I'm, I'm not sure if he could be considered a, a boom pick because he's not certainly uh, a certifiable must-have, but he's definitely spicy. Yeah, I'll... yeah, I've got him as very spicy too, Stu, so... Yeah. Yeah, look, no, spicy, spicy sounds right to me. And you're right there is that, like, yeah, he's very much, he's more Jacob Little than uh, Jaden Braley from last year. So, <laughs> but he'll make, you know, it'd be great if he was 100 grand cheaper because then you could, like, if he was 312, right? Oh, you just yeah, throw him in your team. You wouldn't, right? You, you wouldn't, you wouldn't care. 412, unfortunately, he's made about half the money that you want, but I can see him making 550. Like as a hooker, if you can't make five fifty, you you're, you're probably going to get cut. Like as a player, yeah, like you just I, I, see I can't think of a hooker from last year. I see an eight point upside, so I see him making you know hundred hundred grand, maybe with a bit of form, maybe hundred fifty grand. So you know you probably sell him in early five hundreds, and you know hopefully swing it to some sort of injury sort of player, or you just hold on to him, but. That's it. You just hope that he, much, you? he just hope that he gets a seventy game, right? And then he just, you know, slides up real quick, and then you just hit eject. Mm. Well, he should have um, good hole runners to for you know short balls. You know, Tino's huge guys. 
Um, it's hard to stop him actually getting the, you know, it's hard to wrap the ball up. So close to the line, theoretically, and same as um, Mo Fatawaku as well, They're sort of guys who sort of bounce around in the tackle. So I don't see why with with a good play of the ball, you know, in around the sticks, I don't see why he couldn't get a couple of try assists every now and then just from, you know, short passing game. Or even some meat pies of his own. Yeah, he's a, he's a stocky bloke. Aaron Clark, actually, like he doesn't—he doesn't look like Hooker to me personally, Stu. Yeah, he's—he's he's very much a Benny Elias style Hooker, but yeah. all good. Well, uh, who have we, who have we got next uh, on the list? That, so look, I think he's definitely a spicy pick. I think all three of us have him. So yeah, look, nice. look, who's who's going to be to his left or his right, Nick? So I've got uh, Mo Fotoaka next at six hundred thirteen k. His break-even is 49. His 21 average is 48.4 in 21 games, which is very solid. He's a mid, and his PPM, guys, 0.95. Boom! Ooh. We love we love that PPM, guys. He's an Does that make workhorse. you excited? Oh, not Adam Elliott excited, but pretty pretty excited. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> off, off, the, off the interchange, guys, um, he lost about uh, 11 points. Uh, he was averaging 41.3, but when he started prop, he was averaging 52.5. Um, in similar type of minutes, guys, so it, we, we really wanted to start. We think he'll start. Um, I think he'll hold his money. I think he won't necessarily make your money. I've got no slander if you pick him because he's an origin-type strong player. Um, he's durable, great PPM. You know, Any minutes increase would be fantastic. The bench... Um, isn't a long minute playing bench in my opinion sort of more short minute impact type of guys um, Stu what are your thoughts on MoFo? Oh look I I like him as a player I think that Justin Holbrook has not shown a lot of faith in him uh, however like he's one of those guys who I think has a lot of motor a lot of power coming through but I just think that like the coach really just hasn't shown us that he wants to play him so I would chuck a star on you know, mofo, and if he, you know, if he starts getting those big minute rolls and uh, really locks down that starting prop spot, I'd certainly give it to him. But just at the moment, I can't do any better than chuck a star. Mitch, uh, I would agree with Stu. He he can't be considered a bust player. I think with the PPM, uh, it makes him a chuck uh, an obvious chuck a star and him star player. He just needs, you know. Um, 10 to 15 more minutes a game to sort of become a, a player you consider starting in, in your team and possibly at that point maybe even a um, a final team style player so I'm going to have to say chuck a star on him for, for Mo 100% I'm not picking round one I can't fit him in um, I think you know you might uh, cash down I know Stu loves Welsh uh, I know we all love uh, Um so you know, he's not bad value, but I think there is slightly better value for a little bit cheaper money, guys. So we'll just see if he drops a bit of coin. Um, next in the forward pack, guys, David Fafita, the man, the myth, the legend, who's looking extra jacked for Stu this year. Um, Stu's been circulating a pick of him recently, of him looking like an absolute monster. He's yeah. 800K. Yeah, uh, look, he's looking... He was looking mighty fine in that picture of him at the training fields. Like, just... You know, uh, like a man you would not want to try and tackle without injury. <laughs> it, it, Stu's words were the three of us couldn't couldn't bring him down. No chance. It would just, you know, three NRL players can barely bring him down, let alone us, right? 
<laughs> I'd like to find the player that the three of us could bring down outside of Matt Dufty. <laughs> That's a bit of slander on Matt Dufty. Oh, I was about to say, we can't bring him down. He outran the cops, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Left his car outside, but he outran the cops. Yes. <laughs> Way to leave the team behind, Matt. <laughs> oh, classic. Classic. Um, so uh, for feeder guys, uh, 800k is break even in 64. His 20 point average was 66.5, 21 games, very solid. Um, bit deceptive, we'll get to that in a sec. He's an edge and his PPM is 1.01, which is fantastic. Yeah. Now, uh, for people who follow um, the NRL pretty closely, you'd obviously know that his minutes dropped significantly and he started coming off the bench even. So he, he was an 80-minute absolute stud, putting up crazy numbers, which Stu will bring up in a sec, I imagine. Um, what, what I noticed, guys, though, um, his average in the first 12 rounds was 75.6. It was all, you know, champagne everywhere, all partying, all this sort of stuff. I was playing him as captain instead because I didn't have Cleary. And so, <laughs> but then that sort of, you know, turned to, um, turned to dust when from round 14 to 25, he averaged 58. And clearly, was averaging like 150 or something like that a game. Anyway, um, he's still capable of a big score in lesser minutes. So he scored 103 in round 19 versus the Dragons in only 57 minutes. Um, we call this um, tackle bust nerf after David. Well, I call it after David Fafita because he led the league. It's 7.1 per game, um, and he led the league also in total tackle busts with 155. So. Um, he will see a seven point per game potential reduction off his top line stats of seventy five point six, which sort of drops him back down. But that that's built into his price as well. Like they've exactly. For, for, fortunately, Stats Hub have um, you know at least at least they've done us the favour of not overpricing most of the league. One hundred percent, mate. Um, I'm a bit cautious to even touch him, uh, Mitch. What are you thinking about him from an injury point of view? Um, well, that's kind of where I think some of that decreased uh, minutes came from. Certainly, I think there was an element that they wanted to make him more of an impact-style player and perhaps his fitness um, just wasn't taking him the distance as far as the intensity days. They were sort of looking for him to be uh, more of that impact-style player than, than the 80-minute player. But I do think that uh, rib cartilage injury he was carrying last year might have actually affected his minutes. Um, just looking, you know, at that picture of his fitness at the moment and what David's like at his absolute best, he he could be, and I'm not saying I would pick him over Nathan Clear, but he could be a potential spicy second captain option. I, I think, you know, he is the sort of player that won't be affected by the Titans not being able to um, sort of get the ball going forward because at the end of the day, it does take three NRL players to put the man down, so... Anytime he's got the ball in his hands, he's probably going to do a little bit of damage. Uh, my sense of it is he's probably a chucker star on him style player, mostly from a minutes perspective to see if I am right that it was more uh, injury related than anything else. Because I do think if he gets some minutes um, and you don't want to pick Cleary, which would be fairly ill-advised, um, he could potentially be a, a, another option for that. Because while, while he may cop a nerf with a decreased tackle bust, the man is going to score tries, uh, make line breaks, uh, and I do think you'll have a few offloads as well. So, certainly something worth um, thinking about. Yeah, for yeah, me. yeah. Um, I, I, I quite um, 
I'm a bit concerned with the injury, Mitch. Uh, there was there was word. I think he even said himself that he was copping four needles a game, just to numb the area and so he could play through it. Did, did you hear the same things, Stu? I, I read that, and I would say that it's just due to the pain of that injury. Um, the way the nerves operate around the ribs, they're effectively running directly under them. If you've got any inflammation to that cartilage there, it bloody hurts. It doesn't indicate the severity of the injury. It just more is an indication of the sensitivity. Um, wouldn't worry about it ongoing. Yeah. I, I must say, I, I picked it up for our um, fantasy chat last year because there was um, just this really weird picture of him going over for a try and it he had this weird bulky shape underneath his uh, jersey. And you can see the padding there. So, yeah, so he was not he was not well. But, look, look in training. If he's fit and firing, like, I think that he could be one of probably the top five players in the game. I think that you still want Nathan Cleary, and so, therefore, you might not have cash, but you will probably want him in your final 21. Yeah, 100%. I think we'd all love to have him, but um, he's a bit too expensive at the moment for... Um... Even as a captaincy pod, it's a bit risky, isn't it? Yeah. Oh well, just because they were so variable, like you know, you could you could crack a hundred with him definitely, right? Some weeks, and other weeks you just wouldn't quite get there. Could you go missing? So I think that Justin Holbrook's a lot of his uh, coaching future relies on getting the best out of David Fafita week on week. Whether that's moving him to the middle at some point, whether mm-hmm. that's making sure that Toby Sexton's job is getting him the ball in good position, or AJ Brimson, like just getting him the ball in. If he gets half a hole to run into, and so he doesn't have to beat five players just to break the line, he he's a monster. Yeah, make the game easier for him, eh? Well, and then, and then you just. Even if he, he won't score off all of those, but he'll do what Angus Crichton does. You bend the line, you get them retreating, you have a quick play of the ball, and you're scoring points off the back of that. So Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think from that, we're all chuck a star on, uh, on David Fafita. Is that correct? I yep. can't afford him. Yeah, chuck a star. Easy. Okay, done. Next. On to, uh, on to Big Tino, guys, at 583K with a break even to 47. Average 45.7 in 21 games as a mid and 0.77 PPM, so it's pretty healthy. At lock, he averaged 45.7 per game. And at prop, he averaged 44.2 in very similar minutes, around 60 minutes for both. Um, I don't really see any point in picking him up at that particular price point. I don't see much value. Who had him last year? I did. He burned me. Yeah, Nick, <laughs> did you? you have nah. Nah, yeah, nah, I, nah, nah, nah. I had him too, and he's worth almost literally what he was like because we bought him off, you know, could he be Payne Haas? And yep. the answer is he's not. He's got a little bit less base stats, but can be. he can hit a hole. So that's what excites you about him. But, yeah, he's just – there's no there's no money in him. We've seen that last he doesn't year. He doesn't have the same minutes necessarily as Haas, so – if, if he gets a minutes bump for some reason, then yeah. obviously that would be a huge buy signal, um, that, which would be phenomenal. He'll start hitting, you know, 60 average and, you know, we're all, you know, drinking champagne and everything all over again. But um, he plays Origin as well. So, you know, he plays hard. Um, he's got, uh, was it the minuscule injury, Mitch? Or, sorry, MCL. So, um, wouldn't worry about that, pick him up. Okay, I just wouldn't touch him though. Yeah, no, no, I'll, 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 
Done. Yeah, I got him as a bust. Yeah. Stu, bust. Done. So um, by request of Stu, we've got a couple more guys. So Tanner Boyd at 370K. Um, we've got a break even of 30, 21 average of 32.2 in six games. He's a DPP, which I think is most of his value. Now, just for a cheeky um, cheeky spray here, he's the last Boyd in the comp, guys. Shannon Boyd's gone, Darius Boyd's gone, and Boyd Corner, they're all gone. So he's carrying on the Boyd name. Um, doesn't have anything to do with fantasy. I just thought it was pretty funny. 5'8", uh, um, he averaged 31.6. So I know we're looking at him as potentially a starting hooker, um, but I don't really see uh, much point if he's behind Aaron Clark. Um, yeah. When he when he's on the interchange, he's got a 0.6 ppm, which isn't too bad. Not terrible, but uh, not great. Uh, Stu, what am I missing? No, you're not missing anything, mate. I think I had him in there before it was confirmed by Justin Holbrook that Aaron Clark was the starting 5-8. They got excited by that uh, AJ Brimson interview where he talked about how good Tanner Boyd was at hooker. So, right. uh, look, you know, I guess if Aaron Clark falls underneath a bus or, you know, contracts a, you know, a case of the, you know, police, then... He could be worth a look, but until if he, then... If he has a night out with Kevin Proctor or something. <laughs> 100%. Or the boys from Melbourne. So the he he could be worth a real look then, but he would just be really one to just know in the back of your head that if he starts a hooker, he'll probably have some points in him because he will drop in value at you know averaging 20 off the bench. So, so one of my strategies, guys, would be to start with Clark, and if they move to Tanner Boyd, it might just be a simple switch um, as a potential option. Uh, for now, I've got him as a bust, but maybe even chuck a star just to see how his role may develop through the year. Guys, what have you got him as? No, I, I have think, him I think as a bust. Yeah, chuck a star. Well, it, it, I think it has to be a chuck a star because if something happens to Aaron Clark, then it's effectively a straight swap, isn't it? That's yeah, quite true. Unless they uh, unless they pick someone else, but yes, one hundred percent. Look, keep an eye on him. You know, it's really Chuck a star in Aaron Clark. You know, if something happens here, his replacement might be cheap. So I have him as a bust then. Okay, righto, guys. On to um, the last player, which was requested uh, by Ross uh, Bo Fermor at four hundred and five k break even at thirty six twenty two on average at thirty four point eight in fourteen games. He's an edge with an absolutely terrible PPM of 0.54. Ross, what are you thinking, mate? This PPM is yuck. Ugh. So if he's any if he's any value, he needs a full 80. He is behind Fafita and Proctor, you know, two quality representative players. Um, if he can jag, I can see, you know, maybe six to seven point upside, but... At the moment, uh, wouldn't stick him in your team at all at that price point, Stu? Yep, no, no, nothing nothing to see there, mate. Stay away from Bofomo unless Proctor goes away. Sorry, guys. I think that's uh, all the fantasy-relevant players for the Titans, I think, this week. Yeah, it is. Uh, Look, I I can't see... I'm looking through there 17 at the moment. There's certainly no one else pointing out at me. So, guys, I guess looking at that team looking at what we've thought about. Like, unfortunately, we have no one in the boom category. Okay? So uh, the boom is... I normally have something witty to say here. At least I can pretend in my own head, but I've got nothing, right? They've got a good coaching staff. That's the real problem. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're, they've got a good friggin' lunch staff by the look of Mal. So... 
But anyway. The lunch up is their poo. <laughs> it must be. It must be. Or, or I don't know, maybe the Saturday night hangout spot, you know. is. <laughs> so apart from that, you know, in Spicy Choice, we have Toby Sexton and we have Aaron Clark. Uh, Chuck Ostar on it. We have uh, Mo Fonawaka and we have David Fafita. And bust, we have Jaden Campbell and AJ Brimson and Tino due to the fact that they're capped out on points. And we have Tanner Boyd and Bo Firma just due to the fact that we don't think they'll get a proper role. So uh, any other thoughts or should we just go on to ladder? No, I think we can go to ladder. Excellent. Okay, so Mitch, I'll normally start with you and or Nick. So today I'm going to start with myself. Because, you know, I get to think about you guys each week and then I chicken out. So, look, 16th, 15th, 14th, 13th, I've got them at 12th this year. I think that they're they're better than the Tigers, the Cowboys, the Warriors, and the Knights. But, I look, if they finished 13th behind the Knights, I wouldn't be too surprised. Uh, Stu, I think exactly the same as you. I, you know, had my formal ladder done at the start of the season and and I feel the same way. I, I cannot see the Titans getting into the top eight again. I think the loss of Jamal Fogarty is, is really going to sting, but good work, Jamal. You, you're going to finish in the top four this year, mate. Um, I, maybe the Titans, as you said, uh, said are worse than the Knights, but um, they're certainly better than the Warriors, the Cowboys and Madges Tigers, so we'll chuck them in at 12th and um, it's going to be a rough year. Rough few years. That's what happens when you pay for forwards, guys. Maybe I'm drinking my um my my Kool Aid, guys. I've got them at eight. I've got them. Oh, Can I put a sandwich on that, please? I, no, I, no, 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 no. Nick. I'm not feeling good about it. I've, <laughs> I've been drinking my own strength of schedule Kool Aid. Thank you very much. Uh, I've got the one of the easiest schedule um, in the whole league, and you know I don't I don't think their team's any worse for losing Fogarty. If I'm honest, I think Toby Sexton sort of fits into that role pretty well. David Fafita should be, um, you know, not playing 60 minutes every game and you know, a bit more stability in the team. Um, you know, I, yeah. I I quite like it. I think, you know, stability after, you know, huge overhaul from the year before, I've yeah. got them sneak into the eight just like last year. Yeah, see, I, the, my counter to that one, Nick, would be is that they've got the most inexperienced spine in the NRL by about 100 games at last count. So, like, you know, for people who in their position... So they're relying on basically a four-game wonder at number seven. And the last guy to really string a team along was Nathan Cleary. And he, even he couldn't pull the Panthers along in the first couple of years. And look, the, the only thing that they really have going for them is that they've got a softer schedule. But you're right. I look, agree. I agree they're young. I, I, I totally agree that they're, they're young, but I don't think they're lacking in talent. I think they're oozing with just, you know, when you look at their starting 17, I think that's very solid despite the lack of experience from a talent point of view. So I'm tipping them to make it and I've got them above um, all the teams you mentioned plus a bit of a controversial one. I've got the Eels not making the eight this year. So I think the times will run better than the Eels this year. Fair enough. Okay, look, that, that'll be interesting too. But I must say, Nick, look, Andrew Johns also makes a whole bunch of crap predictions every year. But look, mate, he's an immortal. And so he can always <laughs> fall back on that and his big money contract with nine. Mate, you might just be cut next year. So if your season pans out like your pits, mate. So we'll find out. 
Anyway, look, okay, so just to reflect on that, Mitch and myself have the Titans as 12th and we have not colluded at all. Nick has them as sneaking into the eight again. I've got them sneaking in on four and against. <laughs> well, look, to be fair, mate, if you pull that one off, that's like a massive multi. So, mate, you should uh, you should see. Don't encourage that. <laughs> he needs to feed his family. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, my family eats a lot, don't us? <laughs> that's the point. Yeah, that's it. All right, let's move on to uh, the other team, which I, I guess made up the eight, sort of, and uh, played the also <laughs> rounds for the final series, which is the Newcastle Knights. So, look, the great thing about the Knights is that their color scheme works really well, so I have a great time doing all their promo stuff. Um, so, you know, red, Ooh. dark, navy and red is, mate, it's their silky colours. But I guess having a look at them, guys, uh, we'll look at the who they've picked up in the off-season. And they were really light. After a couple of busy years on the transfer market, they're really light this year. So we have Adam Clune, who's, you know, obviously the number one uh, Dragons half who's come across from them. And we do have Dane Gagai, who's returning to the fold. So, guys, what do we think about that? There you go, Mitch. Adam Clune versus Mitch Pierce. <laughs> oh, it's the I, biggest downgrade in the whole comp, honestly. Yeah, it's not, it's not good. Um, unfortunately for Mitchell Pierce, he just couldn't stay fit. That's that's really why they, they had to move on. But every time he was on the field, um, the Knights were a substantially better team. Dane Gagai, I mean, he's a super classy player. He's got speed. He's got athleticism. Um, the problem is, is he going to get the sort of ball that he's used to? Um, <laughs> what, Latrell, Cody, uh, Cody Walker, and uh, having Alex Johnson on the outside? <laughs> Life's pretty good, isn't it? Um, I, I would I would have taken a pay cut to stay with that, that trio uh, any day of the week, but, you know, best of luck. That's it. Mate, imagine winning three spoons in a row with the Knights and then coming back. Oof. Anyway... Look, I guess... But look, Dane Gagai is a pickup for the team. I think he'll keep some talent out, unfortunately, which is a bit of a shame for some of those younger Knights. But I think that that's going to happen a few places where guys go after um, proven players over the sake of their own own talent, unfortunately. So, look, let's have a look going through the injury list. Uh, Mitch, yep. uh, take us away, mate. All right, so we've got uh, Mitch Barnett, who had been battling a groin injury for uh, a prolonged period of time. He's uh, set to return in the preseason. He had an adductor tenotomy. It's a surgery involving a small incision around the groin tendons. It's typically performed when you have chronically shortened or tight um, uh, adductor muscles, which is the groin. Uh, it's used when they're not responding to conservative treatments, so stretching, strengthening. Uh, <laughs> lengthening exercises when that's not working we're looking at a tenotomy um can take a little while to get right groins are funny um in that they can be a bit fickle with the the injury recovery time but it's classically 12 weeks it does have a good prognosis and a low re-injury risk uh as far as implications for fantasy goes assuming he plays in the trials looks to be moving well um we consider him to be a relatively safe pick if that's the case uh, the main question would be um, the amount of fitness he has coming into the season. But due to the the time he's had to recover, I couldn't see any major concerns with that. 
Lachlan Fitzgibbon, uh, he had uh, arthroscopic uh, shoulder surgery. He is set to return in the trials. Typically, this surgery has relatively good outcomes and he's had plenty of time to recover. Um, the main question mark is he has had previous surgeries to that shoulder uh, and there may just be ongoing issues there uh, that we don't know about. And generally, when they're going for repeated surgeries, it means that the conservative stuff just isn't enough to get them over the line after surgery. Uh, and there may be, might be something a little bit uh, worse going on. So I would say Lachlan Fitzgibbon's a bit of a buyer beware sort of character. Final one's Edric Lee, suffered a fractured foot in the um, pre-season. Uh, there was nothing as to where that fracture was, but he was caught wearing a moon boot. He's currently uh, set to return rounds two to four. He hasn't uh, had any surgery for the foot, so that's generally a good prognosis. Main issue with him as far as fantasy implication goes is he has spent a bit of time in a moon boot, which results in a bit of deconditioning. So he might have a brief dip in performance, uh, speed and agility and the ability to bust tackles and score tries. Um, as always, he's a watch and see style player. Should be low risk as far as re-injury goes uh, if it's managed appropriately, which I would wager it would be. Fair enough. Uh, just, I don't know whether this matters at all, Mitch, but like uh, Edric Lee, you know, if I'm correct, he, he's also had um, Liz Frank injuries before as well. So yeah. that's where that foot fracture is related to anything like that. I, I, I couldn't find anything on it. I am aware of the Liz Frank and you would know that I always get a bit uh, funny when they start to talk about midfoot uh, injuries like that. Um, as I said, I would I would just watch to see how he goes early on. Um, if it's the same foot, which again didn't appear on the internet, I would be very cautious yeah. at that point. Um, because it basically means one injury is becoming two injuries and two tends to become four very quickly. Uh, and when we talk about the feet, you know, it's the first point of contact in the ground. It's where all of our power comes from. And as soon as you start mucking with the foot, uh, you see knee, you see hip, you see back injuries. And there's a few players we've talked about where that has been the case and um, it, it tends not to end too well. Easy. All right. So thanks for that rundown. Uh, okay, let's move on to the strength of schedule so nick take us away boys they're the eighth easiest schedule which means it's pretty average overall um <laughs> by round 13 uh yeah. they have two good stretches actually uh pre-origin they've got the dragons round six eels round seven storm round eight which isn't good but they then have the cowboys bulldogs broncos warriors Oui. Then they have their buyers. So there's a nice little stretch there. Um, Post-Origin, they've got Bulldogs, Tigers, Broncos, Raiders, Titans, Sharks. So it's not terrible. There's no, you know, big whales there. But, you know, the only real easy beats there are the Tigers. In my opinion, the Broncos as well. But, um, you know, I think the Sharks are good. And Mitch likes the Raiders. So, But there's none of those, like, there's no storm panthers or roosters up there so i wouldn't be too worried um in terms of teams they have twice they got the seagulls roosters and panthers from the good teams and they also see the the tigers twice um so overall you know there's a couple of good stretches as i said um but nothing really to to run home and tell mum about i guess that's true though look i guess that run into origin does mean that if you are one of those players who sells most of your guys around 13 to flip out for Origin, you should be able to make a little bit of coin during that 
bit of an easier stretch for the Bulldogs, Broncos, Warriors. Uh, and then... Cowboys, Bulldogs. You got Cowboys Ooh, just Yes, that. okay, yes. So, look, a, a nice... And that four-game run means is that they can build that momentum to build cash. So that's always good and look it means there's that those keepers that you have post origin that's a really good time to be sort of filling out your team with those guys so look that looks great Nick thank you uh, and now we're going to go through our best 17 so I guess this is who I feel is going to be the you know the the strongest 17 it's not always the round one team but you know who I think and, and dare I say, Stu has been um, going up to Barry Tui's front door and asking him questions every single day about this team list. I think he's pretty much got all the money. Uh, yeah, that's true. Look, the Newcastle Knights, like Barry Tui, he obviously just gets fed information. It's easier to just tell him what's going on than to, you know, try and hide stuff. So, because apparently he must report pretty fairly for these guys. So, look. Um, that's why there'll be some interesting choices in here, but here's who I got. So look at fullback, Caelan Ponga. Uh, I've got Inari Tuala and Heimel Hunt on the wings. And at centre, I've got Dane Gagai making his appearance along with Bradman Best, who hopefully is over his varsity blues. So at halves, I've got the very interesting combination of Jake Clifford and Adam Clune. And then at props, I got David Clemmer and David Sy- uh, sorry Daniel Saifidi. At uh, nine, we have, as we all know, Chris Randall, who has been confirmed by the coach as uh, as being the most likely starting number nine. Uh, on the edge, according to Barry Tui, so I'll take his word over most others. I have Tyson Frizzell and Mitch Barnett. So, and at thirteen, I have Kurt Mann. 14, Phoenix Crosslands as the utility and moving possibly into that Connor Watson-style role, again, according to the coach. Uh, and then the rest of the bench, I have Jacob Saifidi. They could always start as prop with Clemmer. Uh, moving to the bench, I have uh, Pasami Solo and Brody Jones as well, who is this absolute stud of a man. So the others... I guess in the top 30, which would be interesting. Lachlan Fitzgibbon, I don't have making their, their best 17 as it stands. Although his dad, or father, or father-in-law, I forget which, is the chief sponsor for the night. So you never know. We also have... Oh, ja- yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good nugget. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I do remember. I think it's his father-in-law. Yeah, he's married into it. That's it. So look, well done to him. So the the next is, look, Jaden Braley. Uh, obviously with that... Uh, ACL injury that sees him out just for the entire, not for the entire season, but certainly for a large chunk of it. Uh, apart from that, look, we have Jack Johns somewhere in that side. Uh, is there anyone else that looks Dominic Young as well? And Edric Lee is also in there as well with that injury. So Dominic Young did look pretty nice last year when he played, but I just don't think he cracks that side at the moment. Uh so look, let's talk about these some of these fantasy relevant players. So Nick, why don't you take us away? Um, first up, guys, um, Kalen Ponga. He's a man of the people. Six hundred k break even of forty eight in twenty twenty one. He averaged forty nine point four in fourteen games. He's a wing fullback, guys. I think you might remember I picked him up early, and his pro like I don't know why it's just the dumbest trade. I brought him in at his peak at 804k and he just decayed the whole way down to 572k. It was just, oh, terrible. Um, not not if yeah. we were playing against you, mate. 
I had to do something, and it was clearly the worst move I could do, so I did it. Um, he won't be kicking goals anymore, is my anticipation with, like, with Jake Clifford in the site. And if you remove the three injury-affected games, uh, he averaged 52.8 without goals. So I mentioned his break-even is 48, and um, he sort of averaged 52.8 without goals. So, um, But he has 5.5 tackle busts. So um, it's pretty hard to, to pick where he'll sort of go this year. I think the Knights uh, will be... Nowhere near as good without Pierce, and they've got Adam Clune. I've got a bleep in there in between Adam and Clune because I don't. Oh, it's just the biggest downgrade I think I've ever seen. Hey, Adam, um, if you're listening, it's only because he doesn't know your middle name, mate. I promise. I've <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know. You could see it last year. When Pierce went out, they just loaded up on Ponga. He had no space or time to do anything yet. He was still like doing crazy try assists and you know running you know crazy runs and he was trying his heart out, but the team just was nowhere near. Um, you know, if you want to compare him in terms of how big he can go, I think he can on his day go as big as Turbo, but I think his side's pretty crap now, so um you know, there's maybe a two to three point value there. Um, Stu, are you looking at Kalen Pong at all? No, look, I, I think that you're right there. I think that the, he's a great attacking player and not a great team this year. Like, oh, they've still got a, um, they've still got one of the best forward packs in the game. Like, he will still get plenty of momentum off that. I think not having Jaden Braley there will hurt them somewhat because they'll be losing a bit of that spark that helped them down the middle and, and push them forward early on last year. So I think that he will get less opportunities off the back of that, but I think he will be given a bit more responsibility around the park because there's no Mitchell Pierce. So you may see the ball in his hands more times, which was sometimes a bit of a uh, criticism of him in some games, but I guess when you're the highest paid player, that sometimes happens. Uh, the other thing I think is that last year, he didn't have a, his kick meters were not high like in some games he was getting no kick meters at all so mm. uh like or seven meters like early on i don't think there's a game over 100 last year so no, i don't think there was so and he had that early season if you remember he didn't start till round five because he had that shoulder injury as well so I sorry think- sorry he did have one game sec- uh, round six versus the sharks he had 101 oh, 100 uh kick meters Oh, sorry, I thought he meant fantasy points. No, no, so, sorry, kick kick meters uh, per game. So I think that he will uh, get a few more kick meters per game out of the side now. And I think he was undercooked last year. Came in round four looking very skinny, I think a proper off season. So look, I don't think you'll lose your shirt if you got him on. He's a quality, he's a top 20 NRL player. But I think there are better choices. He's a chucker star. He might have a couple of injury-affected games. You pick him up, you know, HIA or something like that. You pick him up cheap and you just park him in your team for the rest of the year. Mitch, you're jumping on board. The, what Stu said is exactly what I'd be looking to do, I think. Said it for the Titans. Anytime a, a really good attacking player is on a, a rubbish team, I start to get a bit nervous. I would agree that having that bigger forward pack will give him a bit of space. To operate, uh, as you said, um, without Mitchell Pierce, there are a lot of heats going to come on him. Like you look at that team as far as attacking talent, 
really, if you put all your chips on stopping Kalen Pong, you're likely to stop the, the Knights. My suspicion would be that, yes, he was underdone last year. I think they really raced him into the team after that shoulder injury. Uh, and I don't think he was fully rehabilitated or conditioned to get back in there. And that certainly seemed to affect his performance in the back end of the year. Um, so, you know, I, I actually think he's probably worth closer to the 700k mark. So if you picked him up, you, you certainly you wouldn't be criticized for me or by me for doing it. But my sense would be maybe just hang in there and try and pick up a bit of cash on other players. Uh, and if he's slowly coming up in price or even stays the same, I think sooner or later, Kalen will have big games. Uh, I personally will be looking to get him in sort of round six, seven, eight, once I picked up a bit of cash on the other guys because he's a quality player. You can only keep players if he's calibre down for so long. So if he's under 650 at that point, I'll, I'll be getting him. So he's a chucker star. When you're looking at people picking up gun wing fullbacks, you're seeing a lot of people pick up Paps. And I haven't really done a deep dive on Paps yet, but... If you're thinking Paps, I would go Ponga every day of the week. Ponga is a better player. Ponga is a better player. He has significantly higher upside. Ponga can kick. Ponga can take goals. He can play a ball player role, and he's fast. All Paps can do is run into holes and take concussions. That's uh, it. He, no, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll counter that one. Is that he's the he's he's the goal kicker for the Storm. He's an attacking player on the number one attacking team. And on a so, team that won't have some of its better forwards this year. And they won't. won't have and, yeah, oh, so, certainly they're going to be missing and they're going to be hurting somewhat, but I think this is one of the last years to keep the party together for them. So, look, I, I do think that there's a fair bit of value in Paps, but, look, you know, if you took Ponga, if I see him in people starting lists instead of Paps, I'm not going, you're an idiot. I'm just going, you know, I've got a different choice. So Yeah, that's... That's how I would feel about it. So, look, he can be a spicy pick even for you, but I, like for me personally, I'm going to chuck a star. I'm going to wait and hopefully pick him up in a dip for 550 or something like that, a bit less. Oh, if I he think he'll be lucky goals, to get him for yeah. 550, though. What, mm. ha, what did he end the year at, Nick, again? Uh, 572. Oh, mate, I'm not far off. Honestly, I think... I think he was limping into the uh, the back end of last season. I think he was a bit busted and uh, he just came belted. He just he was getting belted, but I don't think his shoulder was right, and he didn't have a proper preseason. So you know, um, as as he said, probably probably different differing perceptions. But you look at Kalen Ponger and Ryan Pappenhausen, it's like which one would you rather um, have in your team, and who's got the the better talent? I think it's got to be Ponger every day of the week. He's going to be one of the best players in the league for some time. Hmm. Well, I, look, I won't touch either, I, I, but I will. T- I will look at Ponga if he can take back the goal kicking. If he can get it back, I'll jump straight back on. I think that the only way that does that is if Jake Clifford falls off a of Clifford. So the or gets dropped. Or gets oh Jake Clifford getting dropped in this team. Who is <laughs> starting Phoenix? Cro- yeah, okay. Oh, they, oh, they, yeah. They've, they've bet the farm. They've bet the farm on him or getting Luke Brooks in. And they didn't get Luke Brooks. So they've got to go with Clifford. They they cannot drop him this year. He's undroppable. He could he could I oh know, I'm trying to think of something that he could do to get fired. Um I I'm not sure he could get fired. I think that he could he could go up and He's undroppable. Yeah, th- that's basically it. He could go up and, you know, take a dump in Vlandy's personal toilet and get away with it for Newcastle. <laughs> so 
the um. Oh, you, you could put Kane and Ponga in half if you needed to. He, he's the sort of yeah, player. But there's no fullback in that team, so <laughs> left. So you what you got Bradman Best running around back there. Anyway, look, we've got a million players to get through here. Uh, so look, let, let's just get your reactions on this. So Nick, what's your what's your call on? Kalen Ponga. Chuck me a star. Chuck me a star. Okay, Mitch. Spicy. Spicy. I will Ooh. actually, I'll change it. I will say spicy. I will not mind Agreed. if someone takes Kalen Ponga, right? No, uh, not at all. Not in that price, for me, if, if you're living off, you know, me and my amazing fantasy year last year, Chuck a star. But look, he, I have no issue <laughs> with a spicy choice. So, okay, guys, moving on. Let's get on to our Dane Gagai. Um, we mentioned him before, 581K, which is bloody expensive um, for a center wing fullback. He averaged uh, 47.2 and his break evens 47. He played 20 games, very durable with origin lock workload as well. Um, at center, he averaged 49.2. Now, He's extremely expensive in his price cycle, in my opinion. So he can go up and down. I think Stu put a hard buy on him last year, didn't you, at one point, Stu? I did, and he got me the highest score for the rounds because of his. he scored 78 points or something like that. So he, he he's a strong buy at 400, right? Yeah, I, Let's make this short. At 581, he's a strong not buy. Yeah, the, the, just just from an offensive point, guys, the Rabbitohs scored 775 points. The Knights scored 428 points last year. You know, the, the attacking's much worse. And rather than playing with Reynolds and Walker, he's playing with Clifford and bloody Clune. You know, it uh, just... No, P- Ponga, know, hold on. He, he's playing... So he's got Latrell, so... Latrell, it, Ponga offset each other. I's, yeah, it's it's sorry, just, Ponga's a superior player to Latrell, but... Ponga's a superior player to Latrell, but... Not in, not, in, not in attacking line break assists. We'll get on to that next week. I'll tell you now, oh, Latrell get, racks up line break assists. And he doesn't assists. play enough games. He's suspended after the year. Okay, moving on. Let, let, let's not get yeah. stuck in. We're talking about Dane Gagai. It's, I think Dane Gagai's a bust on the night, so we could probably yeah. move on after that. Yeah, yeah. He's, his tackle bust nerf at 4.4 per game. He's just, I think he's going to decay big time. And um, I've got him as a bust. Yeah, I've got him as a bust. But again, 350, 400K if he has a lean run, could be worth a look. But I would really want to see him at the Knights before I even so, said chuck a star. He's going back to three wooden spoon kind of form. Yeah, oh, no, that, that's gross. Uh, who's let, Let's get the other center going, mate. Bradman Best. 2020s, 2020s cash cow of the century. Three games like $1 million. <laughs> yeah, he's 470K this year, guys. Uh, break even of 38. Uh, 2020 average, 36.9. In 16 games as a centre. Um, as Stu said, he was an absolute beast last year in 2020. Sorry, the year before last. His average was 43.9. Um, just his whole attacking stats were down in 2021. I think he came back off an injury. Um, uh, any injury concerns, Mitch, or is he just um, – will he regress back to his normal again? What do you think is going to happen, Mitch? Um, no concerns with any current injuries, but he certainly has a history of it. I would honestly just boil it down to the style of play. I mean, as you said, Bradman best plays like a man possessed. He's a beast. Uh, he is not afraid to bust the line um, and uh, get either tackle breaks, line breaks, or, or tries. 
the the big concern for him is because of the way he plays, he may tend to sustain further injuries. But I don't think his injury history will hinder uh, future performances, if that makes sense. He's just he's just an ongoing injury risk with the way he plays the game. I. Um, can I add one thing to this as well for Braden Best? The one thing I can say will be to his benefit is Lachlan Fitzgibbon never passed the ball in his life, I don't think, too. So, and Braden Best played right outside of him. So the only balls that he got were cut-out balls or intercepts. So the I think that he'll have a bit of a better year of it simply due to the fact that I think he'll get a bit better ball. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm not buying him. Uh, I'm going to chuck a star on him. What do you think he's due? 100% chuck a star because he's a guy who on his day but there's so many good center choices this year but look if he if he does hit his straps again he starts getting some decent ball running to decent holes he could be a decent uh, decent final team keeper that, that having said there's Aiken there's Bird so look he's just chuck a star in case something amazing happens Mitch same yeah, well put by Stu. I was going to say bust, but you guys have uh, put forward some pretty damn good arguments, so I'm happy to have him chuck a star. Sweet as, guys. On to Adam Bleeping Clune at 371k. His break-even is 30, and that's what he averaged in 2021 and 12 games. He's a half. Guys, when he played more than 70 minutes in 2021, he actually averaged 39.5, which is good, but... His average starting uh, half uh, position, his average is 35.5, and he only kicks 180 kick meets per game, which is not good enough, in my opinion. Um, I wish he was cheaper, and I'd probably take a flyer if he was cheaper at um, you know, low 300s. Um, now, this is my theory, guys. I think he could get dropped very quickly, or getting rid of Pierce, there's all the speculation about Luke Brooks coming in. I think they will... Wait for Tigers will wait for Dewey to come back, move Hastings to halfback, move Dewey to 5'8", and send Luke Brooks, send him up the M1, send him off to uh, Newcastle to enjoy his new life as the next Mitchell Pierce and be paid handsomely, Roosters style. So I am not bringing Adam Clint under any conditions, and I think that's my solemn swear for this year. Um, that's one of my one of my personal rules for fantasy. Stu, are you thinking of bringing in Clooney? I think there would have to be like some sort of mass earthquake for me to bring in Adam Clune, where all the other halfbacks were swallowed by the earth, like in the Bible, where people insulted God, right? And they, they were literally swallowed by the earth, right? That is the moment that I would bring in Adam Clune, not before. Mitch? I just can't see why you would bring him in. There's too many better options, and he doesn't pass the eye test. Um, and, and how, how could you insult him like that? And as, <laughs> and, 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 oh God, the list is getting bad. The list. And, and as um, as Nick said, I, I am not convinced that man won't take his job at some point. So, um, bust. Done. Okay, straight into the bust one. Let's keep it cracking. Who's next? Jake Clifford is half partner now. Um, He's playing with Adam Clune, as we said before, God help Ponga. At 521k, his break-even is 42, and his average in 2021 is 45.4 in 19 games. He's a half. Um, he was better um, when he was kicking goals. So when he um, kicked goals, he averaged 48.4, and when he didn't kick goals, he averaged 43.8. So um, as we mentioned before, we think he will kick goals rather than Ponga. Um, keep an eye on that. Cleary nerf, uh, he'll lose two points per game. 
Um, working it all out, uh, he'll average, in my opinion, around 46. So he'll have a four-point value bump, which isn't really much. Um, if he moves to seven, which is what I'm hoping for, then he could, you know, um, see a bit of a bit more ball, a bit more control over the park, a bit more control over the kicking game, and sort of take that next step um, potentially into a more elite sort of halfback in the game. Personally, I don't see it. Um, he's a very solid player, don't get me wrong, but he's not particularly elite. Uh, Stu, are, are you looking at Clifford at all? When I was looking at him, at his price point, at his whatever else, the fact that he's playing with Adam Clune, so he'll be more than likely the dominant half, uh, which, again, I will wait for trials for this, but like, if he's the dominant half, he's kicking goals, he's got a quite a nice left boot on him. So... And yes, he's got the clearing nerf, but I think his additional kicking without Mitchell Pierce will also soak up sun. I, I'm almost I've got him as a spicy choice, just about right. Like, if I was struggling for a half this year, and I don't think that we are, but like if I saw him in someone's team, I wouldn't automatically be going, "You're an idiot," because he's someone's got to do the work in that team, and he will be Pretty the one who's doing spot, it, isn't it? Yeah, he will be the one doing that work. Unless, for some reason, you know, Adam Clune just decided that he hated the Dragons and so was tanking the team. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I have him as a spicy. Bitch. I think Clune will take enough of the work where Clifford won't get enough of a bump in his points uh, to be worth his value. I actually consider him a bust. I think that the Clune is, is a genuine half and he is going to probably pick up you know, probably two or three extra points and, and frustrate me into um, his performance at St. George. And that'll just be enough to keep Clifford at his current price. And then when you look at it, um, the only other way he's going to score more points would be from try assists or tries uh, or line break assists, which I can't see this Knights team doing. And I just don't think he's classy enough a player um, to sort of suddenly take that on. So I actually think he's a bust. Uh, I do take Stu's point that if I saw him in someone's team, I'd say, well, that's that there's some good reasoning to it, but personally, uh, I think Clune will just do enough to keep his um, keep Clifford's numbers down. Nick, what have you got there, mate? What are you thinking? I'm just I'm just thinking if you spend you know an extra 80k, you can pick up Toby Sexton or Nico Hines. So, yeah, but but um, I'm I'm saying that they're in a pretty similar position, wouldn't they be? Like, but yeah, I do get your point that you know for no 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 I, I don't i don't know how much different he is to those guys i guess is what i'm saying he's yeah. sort of 80 grand cheaper than those guys when you sort of look at their role and goal kicking and all those types of duties i'm not saying he's as good as uh heinz but i think he's a bit better than sexton even um i think he's quality a lot of teams have been after yeah. him yeah I, I think spicy okay well look i guess two to one with uh, obviously you know everyone out there all three people hi everyone uh um, I'm um <laughs> So uh basically with those people at home, you know, we know that Mitch, you know, thinks he's a bust and you probably turn out right, but you know, I'd have him as a spicy pick. So he, you know, I've almost convinced myself there. So unfortunately oh, my shit. my big one for him is that there's so many other halves. <laughs> yeah, it it it's it's tough to eventually fit him in, isn't it? Okay, guys, uh, on to uh, Chris Randall, um, 350K. Uh, long story short, buy him, boom. Anyone else got an opinion? Uh, he's, 
Uh, and just so people at home know why is because basically he will be playing 60 plus minutes he's got a break even of a 28 even bad hookers have a break even like like can score 40 45 points a game right if Jacob Little with two busted legs can do that Chris the, Randall the who is a tackle legs. yeah Chris Randall who is a tackle master by the way uh, league record on debut, 73 tackles or something ridiculous against the Panthers in 2020. He is like, yeah, his base stats, I think, Nick, you've written here, he's got 44.5 tackles a game where he started. So he just, he's Andrew McCulloch, right? At a price that you buy Andrew McCulloch. Yep, he, he, he may be the cash cow of the year at this point. Yeah. The, the biggest, I would say the biggest, easiest boom, and look, 28% of people have picked him up. So It's not enough. It's not enough. But look, it means that, you know, 28%... You're not listening to the podcast. That's the problem. Well, we only just, we haven't released it yet, mate. So. <laughs> well, I'll be checking the stats. Can someone write that down? We'll check to see how much it comes. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. Oh, fair enough. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, you can do that, Mitch. Just look him up now. So we'll mark it down. But yeah, must have. Yep. Absolute must it's, have. He's 30.1 now. 30.1. Oh, look, so he's gained a couple of percentage points just by me thinking about him. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Uh, it's a, so that's a no-brainer boom, I think, all round. Um, on to a bit of a spicy one here, guys. Kurt Mann, 472K. His break-even is 38, and he averaged 39.3 in 2021. 21 games, and he's uh, honestly, surprisingly, only a half. Like... Last year, he played 5'8", centre, fullback, halfback. Um, please just give him some sort of, you know, um, DPP. And we're hoping that's in the mid, actually. Which yeah, he, he I was, I'm glad that, that he doesn't have DPP, just in case he does get that dual player position round one. 100%. He's looking at that Connor Watson star role, apparently. I know that's... What, it, what the sort of buzzword around the traps is at the moment. That everyone's playing this Connor Watson style. Um, what we mean by that, guys, is going to be playing around uh, 60 minutes. Um, now, I'm sort of got him projected in here around 40 minutes at lock and 20 minutes at hooker. Now, if that's more minutes at lock, that's good. And so based upon this projection, he's looking at about 50.8 average and making 160K. Now... Where Phoenix Crossland's fit in, I think Stu will be able to answer this a bit better. Where do you see Kurt Mann fitting in? Well, I don't see Kurt Mann fitting in anywhere, but look, according to, to, to Mr. Barry Tui, and I guess according to a lot of people, like, yeah, he's he's a starting number 13. He might revert to the bench on the day just in case, but, like, from what I understand, starting 13 as Locke, a lot like Connor Watson, playing a very similar role, uh, and they're looking to, I guess we might move Phoenix Crossland next, move him to be the other half of the Connor Watson role uh, in terms of like playing a bit of middle, bit on the edges. So I think he will play a lot of 13 and I think he will fill in elsewhere if people are injured. The only danger is if at some point he does move to the halves, his points, he was pretty good in 2020 in the halves, wasn't he? But that was on a Knights team that was a bit more dynamic. It was. So I, I guess where I'm aiming at with this one is that, look, Kurt Mann, he's in my starting team. I think, especially if he gets that mid-roll, I think he's the perfect benchy or starting player that people have been crying out for under 500k. And I think at that point, he would probably take Cotter's position as like that flex 
middle spot for your team? Yeah, he averaged um, close to you know, high 40s in the halves last year. So worst case scenario isn't such a bad scenario, really. Yeah, it's it's. I reckon you're going to make money with him. And I reckon you if, if he stays fit, like Connor did last year, and he ends up in a similar point, you'll be laughing, won't you? I'm, I'm, well, we're cheering. Crack, crack the champagne. Woo! <laughs> yeah, that's it. Though you, you never know, right? Like things can always change. That's the problem with this utility role and where to be where. Why I will I will vote for him as a spicy choice, not a boom choice, is because when you're in this Mr. Fix-It role, you may be called to be Mr. Fix-It. So he might be playing centers. He might be playing fullback. You just don't know. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's tough to sort of work out what's going to happen. But if you if you bring him in, I don't think you're going to regret it. Uh, you know, I'm going to call it, I think he's a boom. Easy. Mitch, what have you got? I'm the same as you, Stu. My, I think, you know, if you could guarantee to me he's going to play uh, lock or hooker at the, the times Nick said, it's an obvious sort of boom. However, being that sort of jack-of-all-trades, master of nothing... Uh, gives me the heebie-jeebies uh, a little bit. So because of that and because of the fact he could play center, he could play fullback, he could play halfback, he could play bench, um, I've got him as spicy because if you're willing to roll the dice, he could make you 160, 200K as Nick said, but there is risk attached to it. So he's not a certified boom, but um, he's extra spicy. That's it. And I think certified boom, I think I'll make that up right now is when all three of us say that he's they're a boom choice Chris Randall, certified boom. Uh, I would put man in this case as I move him to a spicy choice as well on the oh, two to one vote. Come no, on, man. no uh, look, I'll be honest with you. He's in my starting team because I think that he, he if he gets that uh, on Teamless Tuesday, for those of you who don't know, uh, he's, he's only marked as a half at the moment, but if he's named at 13, right, in that lock roll or somehow as prop, on Teamless Tuesday, he will get the dual position role. Uh, after that, the only way you get it mid-season is if you play a certain number of games, you know, sort of generally four, five, or six, though Fan Hub, you know, depending on how they feel, um, in that role after that. But round one, if you picked in the role and you're not a dual position player, you get that second role. So if it's a new one for you. So if he's got that, He's, you know, you fit him in. He's your bench middle forward and he'll make you money. Yep. Yeah. If he gets that mid, I'm going to start him um, in my starting team. I, I couldn't wait if he got that mid position because it's a bit of a tricky one this year. You know, that sort of price point, picking people up. Anyway, um, so he's, he's a spicy one overall, I think. Um, okay, guys. Uh, Tyson Frizzell's the next guy off the rank. So 729k, which is bloody expensive, I reckon. His break-even's 59, and in 2021, he averaged 56.8 in 18 games. He's an edge with a 0.72 PPM, which is actually quite solid for an edge, uh, especially an 80-minute edge like uh, Tyson. Um, I think he was carrying an injury second half of last year because his production fell off a cliff. He went from a 64.7 average um, in in his last eight games of the season. He only averaged 47, so that's a precipitous drop-off of 17 points, which is very disappointing. Um, he averaged 55.4 in 2020. I, I remember I had him in 2020. Very nice, sort of solid player. Um, didn't pick him up last year, though. Um, when he plays second row, his career average is 53. So 
I don't really see him um, averaging 64, maybe early 60s, let's say, um, in a good good case scenario. I think he's going to have to get through a lot of work, though, in a, in a not great Knights team. Mitch, um, as a Dragons fan, I know you know Tyson pretty pretty damn well. Um, are you having a look at him this year? No, not at all, mate. I think he's cashed out on a team that's going to uh, struggle, and a lot of his points tend to... Uh, come from more the attacking style stats, so I, I, I would say he's a bust this year. So I do agree he was likely carrying some sort of injury uh, in the back end of last year. You? Yeah, no, look, I I like Tyson Frizzell. Uh, I think his form dropped off. I think he had a syndemosis because he was out of the team wow. from uh, he didn't he didn't play between round twelve and round eighteen. Now obviously there's a buy in there somewhere. But yeah, the end of the year, he he's he look he got a couple of fifties, which is great. But I think his yeah his price really dropped. He finished the year at six hundred and fifteen k. Right, it was his beginning of the year that really kicked him off. So look, I think he will be fit. I think he will be better. But I think there are better second row options, like as a keeper, like you know Angus Crichton just comes to mind as one. So Hudson Young, Hudson Young, I think would be similarly. Similar stats, though possibly less guaranteed for 80 minutes, but also less likely to pay Origin because that's the other thing you got to know with Tyson is that he's not playing round 13, and he's not pl- and he he's pretty much a certainty for Origin, isn't he? 100% if he's fit. Yeah. So look, I would I would say that for me, he's a chuck a star in it for that nice. They they have a pretty good final run home, don't they? Nick? That's it. Yeah, That's I, it. Hey, um, final 10 keeper. So for me, he's Chuck a star. You wait on him. Hopefully he comes back, has a bit of a dip. Pick him up 600. If you could, you know, you, you'd be laughing. Yeah, in terms of gun keepers, uh, final team of the age, that's a very crowded position, I think, when you're looking at, you know, for feeders, Murrays. Oh, not Murray. Um, Angus Crichton, uh, Hudson Young, uh, Tohu Harris, Papali, uh, yeah, you know it's pretty, it's pretty crowded at the top there of guys you sort of want to shove in your in your edge spot, um, yeah. maybe even DPPs as well, yeah. right? But that's why you look at that strength of schedule, especially for these edge rowers who get those attacking stats, which turn them into keepers, right? So you look at that: Bulldogs, Tigers, Broncos, Raiders, Titans, Sharks, right? Like it's not that it's not the worst run home. It's actually probably one of the softest run homes. So. I reckon, like, the Raiders game might be will be a stiff one. But, look, if he's playing well and the Knights are playing better than we hope, get him in. Yeah, I worry with this play style. He plays pretty hard. Um, you know, he, he runs the ball so bloody hard into the line. And, you know, those um, high-impact injuries, uh, you know, who knows uh, if he's going to have more, you know, rib or shoulder issues or something like that, for example. True. 100%. Um, back that's- in the year. That's why, well, I don't know. Uh, for me, it's Chuck a star. Mitch? No, no, I consider him a bust, mate. I think he's largely cashed out on a team that's going to struggle in attacking stats, irrespective of who they play. So oh, I fair. consider him to be a bust. Fair enough. I've got a Chuck a star just to round that one out. Um, I, I would probably pick him up in the 600s pretty quickly, I'd say. Yeah, that's true. Like, he's definitely he's Chuck a star for me for value. He's just one of those price points, and is he fit? 
Hey guys, um, on to a bit of a weird sort of play here. Brady Jones, um, 325k, break even of 26, which is very low, and he averaged 24.8 in 2021 in 23 games, surprisingly. So he's an edge with a 0.61 ppm. Um, this 0.6 ppm holds across uh, no matter how many minutes he plays. So if he gets long minutes, it's a 0.6. If he plays 20 minutes, it's a 0.6. So he's sort of you know we're going to get from him the whole time. Um, my problem, guys, is depth. Um, I've got him as a chucker star because he's behind some pretty um, experienced second rowers. Though he's, a, I know he's a player on the come up in Newcastle. Stu, are you considering having him round one, or are no, you sort of no, waiting and saying round one? If he's behind Tyson Frizzell and Mitch Barnett, he's just unplayable, right? They're both big minute guys, right? There's all big minutes in that pack. So Brody Jones is pretty much there as cover. Right, so to, to to play somewhere in case there's a issue, um, but look, he's a quality player. He's got a whole bunch of low mid forty scores when he has played that longer game. So, uh, 42, 43, 47 when he's played seventy plus minutes, and at three twenty five k. So yes, hundred percent. If there is an injury in that pack somewhere, like you know someone uh, like last year, I think he got that off the back of the syndemosis injury to Frizzell, right? Put him in there. Make some money. Mitch, you thinking uh, Chuck a star as well? Yep, absolutely. Um, as as Stu was sort of inferring there, if, if there's an injury in the second row and he gets a few more minutes, he's definitely a starter. But behind those two big minute players, they're drinking far too much of the milkshake for my liking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what have they got to his milkshakes up there? <laughs> the finest. <laughs> um, okay guys so we'll, we'll chuck a star on Brody and see how see if there's any injuries but otherwise don't bother um, on to the Safiti bros guys we'll start with Daniel um, 2021 was a bit of a down year for him he had a 14% decrease in his PPM compared to 2020 which is really his breakout year from a fantasy point of view so in 2020 um, he had a 1.01 PPM and in 2021 he had a 0.87 so he went from an absolute stud PPM to a you know gun but not a, not an absolute beast PPM um, at 604k his break even's 49 he averaged 46.3 in 19 games as a mid he so his minutes went up and he averaged the same the question is will this PPM correct back to his 2020 or is he is who he is and you know is he just getting up there with a bit of wear and tear and a bit of age? Mitch, are you uh, any thoughts on Daniel Safedi in particular? Or uh, look, I, I don't see huge amounts of value in Daniel. I think largely probably the um, drop in um, PPM was probably due to a drop in um, minute, or uh, sorry, the drop in PPM was due to a an increase in minutes, which basically meant he just was too tired to do all that much more. So. Kind of as you said, he's he kind of is what he is. He's he's priced out, unfortunately. I think this is probably a, a bust. Yeah, he's he's a bust for me too. I think just because he also has like that origin certainty uh, about him, so you know mm. that he's going to be missing those games. You know the Knights aren't playing round thirteen, so and he mm. wouldn't be playing anyway. So uh, I don't see this new role for him. There's no no movement. So I think he's. We're always, I guess, for the guys at home, you know, all two of you still listening. So, hi, mum. <laughs> if, um, oh, maybe she left. Who knows? Uh, but the, 
point is, is that you're looking for people in new positions or taking on new responsibilities. And Daniel Sofiedi is doing the exact same thing, and he's still got rep footy. So bust for me. Yep, same guy's got a bust. Uh, on to Jacob at um, about 100k cheaper. He's 495k. His break even is 40, and he averaged 38.2 in 2021 in 22 games as a mid. His PPM is the same as Daniel's at 0.88. So. Um, looking at the depth chart and what sort of minutes, I think he'll get around that 40 to 45 per minute. Um, he started some prop and he actually averaged 45.7, but he was playing that 50 minutes and his PPM was 0.9. So um, I, based upon Clemmer and his brother starting, I don't see him getting that 50, 55 minutes um to make some money so until that sort of happens guys i think it might just be a wait and see i'm not sure he's a bust because i'm not sure he's going to go backwards but maybe chuck a star and just monitor that situation i think guys uh Stu, do you have any any other thoughts no i think i think you're pretty spot on the money there like there's just at 495k it's it's just a struggle like unless unless there was some major injuries but he, yeah look you could put a not you could certainly put a star on him that's there's no issue with that yeah, Mitch, you, you um, gonna gonna even bother looking at him or not? Uh, really? Same as Stu, I'll probably chuck a star in him just in case there's a couple of major injuries in uh, positions where he might have to uh, play an extra ten minutes. To so say Daniel went down, perhaps I would consider bringing him on. But at this stage, I think there are there are better options, certainly from a round one standpoint. Because he'll drop about fifteen grand a game off the bench. So if they mm. make it through the first few rounds and then he joins in, because he will not be a lock for Origin. Right, mm-hmm. so if something was to happen to Clemmer or to, you know, because the depth isn't phenomenal at the Knights, as past the no. starting pack, we're yeah. in the Brody Joneses of the world. So yep. he would he'd slot straight in, and that's when you you jump on the board. Yeah, you're spot on. He's got that quality of thinking at the minute, so just monitor the situation. I think he's a certified chucker star in it, boys. He is. Okay, guys, uh, on to Lachlan Fitzgibbon. Got a big rundown. No, I'm just kidding. If you have him, yeah, delete the app. Grim Reaper, don't pick him up. Um, Stuart's inside word that he's not even getting a look despite his um, marrying into the, the sponsorship or what, what, whatever he's in, whatever he's doing, uh, don't don't bother. 585K, he's got a huge break even. I think he's got injury issues as well. Uh I don't see any upside even if he is picked, so just don't bother, guys. Bust, bust, bust all around. Bust. Next. On to David Clemmer, guys. 605K. His break even is 49. He averaged 45.8 in 2021 in 20 minutes, a 0.88 PPM. Very healthy. So he averaged uh, 51.9 minutes per game, which was down from 2020. So, um, uh, you're starting to see him sort of come off, you know, those longer minutes sort of stints at prop where he just gets through amounts of work because he averaged 54.1 in 2020 and only 45.8, which just just less work, really, less tackles, less offloads. You know, he used to, you know, get in much more work and um, I don't really see him making any sort of money. I see him even going backwards. Um, I don't think his game is nearly as good as it used to be personally from an eye test point of view. Um, Mitch, what, what have you sort of thought of on David Clemmer at the Knights last year? 
Mate, I think you've been pretty well spot on. I just feel like, and this is why you don't sign big forwards to big long contracts because eventually uh, they're going to get onto the other side of the mountain. And I think, unfortunately for David, that is the He's key. a man mountain, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, no pun intended. Um, but he's just on the back nine of his career. And as you said, and I think I 100% agree that he's um, more likely to have a downturn in minutes. I think, you know, his speed, his strength, everything's just going to slowly sap away. He's still a high-quality player, but um, from a fantasy standpoint, he, I would consider him a bust. Yeah, definitely. Like, he's still... He could play rep footy if you wanted him to because he'll still amp up for the big games. But I... Yeah, I think fantasy-wise, at 600k, there's just there's no meat on the bone, and there's that, better keepers at middle. Uh, Twenty grand, so fifteen thousand, fifteen thousand dollars gets you Jason Tamalolo. So, uh, that's not that's not any better, I don't think. Oh, <laughs> uh, I I would say that uh, I would take Jason Tamalolo over David Clemmer for NRL. If you fantasy. put a if you put a gun make it a good I would take, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I feel the same way. No, I, I get you, but I'm just. I, I, my example was right. If you if you got that, if you're looking at David Clemmer in your team right now, and you just like find that 15 grand and get Jason Tamalolo, so because he's the closest comparable starting prop. Yeah, yeah. get you two Kamano, get Welsh, get. You know, yes, hundred percent. Those guys too. Man, which we mentioned before as well. If he gets that mid. You know, we've also chucked out Ryan James, who, Stu, I think Ryan James picked up a bit of steam just um, around the traps. What do you uh, think? Well, I, uh, Mitch, what's the percentage on Ryan James? Because he was at 2%. I, feel, I think he's gone backwards, actually. I think mean, <laughs> oh, I've got him here at 1.7%. Oh, 1.7, he's gone backwards. So, look, but look, I've got Ryan James in my team at the moment. But again, he's very much. Uh, I'm just waiting for the trials. So, okay. Right. Anyway, we got there's, one there's left. Other, there's other options to clamor, guys. Um, anyway, on to Mitch Barnett. Uh, he's bloody expensive as well at 699k with a break even of 56. He averaged 54 in 2021 and 23 games. So, just missed out on the one game to finish all 24 and a 0.76 ppm. Um, based upon his ppm at second row or lock, I've worked out he'll need to either play every single minute on the edge, so full 80 minutes or 64 minutes at lock just to hold this value. So I, I see it's a pretty risky proposition in terms of um, making any money if he's sort of struggling to eke out the minutes to just hold this money. Um, at that price point as well, um, he is a, I think he's an edge. He, oh, he's a, he's a DPP um, middle edge, so I know that's handy, but I think you can get some other options out there, Stu. Yeah, look, I've seen a few people talk about him. They've had them in their sides. Like uh, A lot of people looking for DPPs this year, but a lot of those guys, they had their breakout year last year. or He's he's maxed out. There's, just, there's no more points there. He's not Angus Crichton. He's not kicking goals like he was before, like at mm-hmm. least the beginning of last year. And... I just can't see it. Like, there's no, there's no meat on this bone. Unfortunately, like he'll keep his value, or at least not lose it too quickly. But I don't. I, yeah, sorry, bust. And they've um, replaced Connor Watson with Kurt Mann, so it's not like he's just going to like tear it up in the middle for a full eighty minutes and you know make, you know, bit a bit of dosh. So Mitch, you got him as bust as well. I got him as bust. Yeah, I do have him as a bust for the the reasons you guys have, have sort of said. Yeah. So. 
and, and I guess certified bust. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And again, like Dane Gagai, not because they're bad players, right? They're just peak value guys oh, like, yeah. like at home it's and remember in NRL fantasy we want to be making coin in our team early you want a couple of guys to be captain and to be winning you those head-to-head matches if that's what you're up for but everyone else you want to be earning value so that even if they get an injured game and they drop out of your team you're not losing 70 grand on them because they had a bad game and you got to swap them out you're instead just you know at least staying where you were or preferably making money and then, you know, hopefully by later in the season, you got that $13, $14 million and you can just stack your team full of absolute stars. Yeah, the, the only one tonight, guys, is um, Chris Randall, who's the obvious cash maker. And, you know, there's there's not many that will make you go backwards tonight, actually, too far, I think, um, compared to some of these other teams. But in terms of actually making you some dosh, I think we've identified a couple tonight, guys. Yeah, so look, Chris Chris Randall, I would say, is a certified lock to make you money. He's our single boom for tonight. Uh, we have Spicy Choice. We have Kalen Ponga, Jake Clifford, and Kurt Mann. And Kurt Mann, if you want to make money and he gets that spot, he is, but he's just there's no guarantee over it. But he's certainly got room hey, to Teamless move. Tuesday. Yeah, and Teamless Tuesday. And just, I guess he's got room to move, right? We know that he can be worth more than 470 and look, we've got Chuck a star on Bradman Best and Tyson Frizzell. Uh, and those those are entirely based on if they take a dip, they're still quality players in their for their positions. And then we've got Brody Jones and Jacob Saifidi for the Knights. And that is if they get a start, basically, if there's some injury ahead of them and they start getting their starts, there's some value to be made there. And then in the bus category, we have Dane Gagai uh, and Daniel Saifidi. And David Clemmer and Mitch Barnett, who are all bust just not because they're bad players, but just due to team value. We have Adam Clune because Mitch hates him. I certainly said nothing bad about Adam Clune. And <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, and we have. Uh, was there anyone else on the bus list there? No, just. Uh, it's given. Oh, yes, and uh, Fitzgibbon, because there's a big uncertainty over will he even get a start? And even if he gets a start, I don't think he's worth much more than 540k anyway. So, guys, uh, ladder positions for the Knights. Now, I took the lead for the first one and Mitch went second. So, Nick, you get to go first this time. Newcastle Knights, 2022 ladder. Where do you think they will finish? They've got them 11th. Um, I, I see... Uh, not too much talent in the spine with the exception of Ponga. If they make an upgrade, then obviously they could shoot up. So if they brought in a Luke Brooks or some other halfback, I, I definitely see them making the eight, but as construction, I've got them 11th. All right, Mitch. I've got them in, hang on, let me consult my ladder. I've got them in 13. So as I sort of said before, I, I feel like the Titans, uh, slightly better than the Newcastle Knights and uh, I, I really think and I've always felt this way and we saw it with Brisbane the last two, three years if you don't have a good halves pairing I don't care who's on the rest of your team you are going to struggle and their back line um, and forward pack is maybe only just better than that Brisbane team and that's why I have them at, uh, at the teams I think it's going to be a tough year up in uh, Newcastle Yeah, I must say I've got them, uh, I've got them over at 13th as well uh, beating out the Warriors, Cowboys, and Tigers only. 
So, but again, if they happen to pip the Titans and maybe even the Sharks and the Bulldogs, they could certainly do it. Their schedule isn't abysmal, but, you know, on based on the odds, 13th for me. So, guys, the final one for our Monday special, recommended players. Who are the guys who you're likely to see in your team round one? So, Nick, you get first pick. Um. I'm going to go, and I don't think because he's the most ultra boom, but I've just found from a team construction point of view, I've got Aaron Clark. Um, good price point, decent upside, and you know if you're not if you're looking for a cheap hooker that isn't named Chris Randall, I think he's your guy. If you just don't have the cash like I don't have for a gun hooker, like your Grant, so I I would not I'd be very happy if I saw someone else's team with Aaron Clark starting hooker. Um, that's who I'll recommend this week, guys. Fair enough. Okay, so Mitch, who have you got? Bit of a boring one from me tonight, guys. Uh, I'm going to go Chris Randall, and I would have Aaron Clark in there as well as uh, Nick said. There aren't too many certified cash cows and boom picks that you just know are going to get points, and Chris Randall is certainly going to be that guy. So it's a bit of a no-brainer, but um, he, he's in every make I have uh, have done so far at least the, the guts of it so it's Chris Randall for me tonight 100% look Chris Randall will definitely be my team two and starting hooker week one though that's possibly due to Harry Grant being injured oh, sorry not injured suspended uh, and for myself uh, I'm going to choose Kurt Mann even though I've got him as a spice even though I've got him as a spicy pick here uh, like he team composition matters and that means is that the guys on your bench need to be able to step in if there's an issue. And Kurt Mann, if he gets that mid-roll, this is like it's dependent, but I would recommend him. If he gets that mid-roll, he's the guy you can have on your bench or, you know, it means you can, you know, chuck him into your main team and just keep a cheaper mid on your bench mm-hmm. to just help fix your team out so that you're not having to roll with Ruben Cotter, who I just, who I think is a solid pick, but I think just doesn't have that much cash in him. 100% man um, I'm a huge fan of Kurt man I think he really helps uh, if he gets a DPP he's going to be a huge addition to uh, pretty much anyone's fantasy team yeah. as I said 160, 160 grand potential price prizes yeah that's it if not if he doesn't get ladies and gentlemen because he's named at 14 because you Ooh. know if he's named at 14 and this is my only concern here I may still pick him up but I'll be I'd be risking the biscuit for that with because I might I'd be very light on mid coverage. So yeah, it'd be such BS if they did that Connor Watson thing. Where they give him the thirteen jersey because it well, fits him. Well, but no, then no, they start someone else. Well, no, that's fine as long as they name him at thirteen for that week one. Then he gets it. They he doesn't even need to start there. They can cut him, you know, twenty minutes before the game for all they want. They yeah. just got to name him. So Adam O'Brien. If you're listening, which you won't be because you've got better things to do, but if you are, start him at 13 to help my personal fantasy team. So, I, you know, you can have all the Mexican Starbursts that you want, assuming I can find them. I think they sold out the other day, out of, even out of Mexico. So I'm de- now down to I found a packet for $84 in Korea. 
Mate, my um, shout out to my mate Flues, a uh, huge Knights fan. I told him I'd give him a shout out. I know he would definitely take you up on your Starburst as well. I know he's a Starburst fiend, so. <laughs> <laughs> nice. He, he, he'll, be, he'll be one of the guys listening right to the end here. So there you go, boys. Oh, well, look, mate, if you listen to the end, you know, we might have to have some sort of end of year, you know, Starburst giveaway or something like that, assuming that I can find some, some jelly beans out there. <laughs> All right. Well, look, thank you, guys. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you, Nick, for tonight. Uh, thank you for helping us keep to, you know, some sort of a schedule as well. Thank you especially to those who have listened all the way through. I guess that's why we're here. Like, we like the, we love interacting on the page and everything else, but we're, we're here for the podcast and, I guess, hopefully for when the season starts to have lots of fun as well. And I guess, yes... Also, if you do want to keep up with the content but maybe don't have the time, a lot of this stuff will be up on the Facebook page as well. So you can always catch up there and just um, catch up on the podcast before round one. So yeah, thank- give, us a, um, give us a rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts as well, guys, just to um, let us know how we're going and all that. If you have any questions, drop them into the socials at Boom or Bust NRL as well. Um, you know, if we if you think we're nupties, we don't know what we're talking about, or if you think we have any good ideas or suggestions, you know, um, let us know, and you know, we can um, definitely work through any uh, ideas or bad ideas that we throw out there, and maybe maybe cut the uh, pod podcast last year if we have any absolutely negligible advice uh, that we could get sued for. <laughs> Yeah, well, mate, considering how some of the other picks that people have given over the years, if you can sue people over bad NRL fantasy tips, the courts would be stacked, mate. So, we, we, you know, even you, Nick, should be all right. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, look, thank you, everyone. Uh, good luck if you do have a lot of Knights and Titans in your team. Maybe hit us up. We might be able to help you out, you know. And, you know, next week we have the Eels and the Roosters. So, that should be a cracker. We'll see you then. Bye, everyone.